again to the weekly review show for Coffee and Heroes. Uh, your host, as always, Alan, joined very happily around the table by Keith. Roddy here. Kaelin. Is back with us after skipping out last week. And he got rather annoyed that he skipped out last week because we started chatting to the creators of Folklords, uh, who, uh, who were kind enough to listen to our podcast and give us a few kind words back. That was fantastic to get that uh, response on the on the Twitter from... Uh, yeah, it was from the colorist and also from the, the artist, Matt Smith, as well. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, I mean, we were obviously big fans of the title, and it was nice that the stuff that we talked about, they even said that they had had a little roundtable discussion about how these are the things they hope people pick up on. And we picked yeah. up on a lot of it, so um, so listen back to the last reviews podcast yeah, if you want some uh, heads up and folklore. Absolutely, I yeah. think it's really it's sort of um, very. What is the right word I'm looking for? It's uh, I wouldn't say rewarding, but it's good to know that it's we satisfying. are. Yeah, you know, that we are doing something that you're on the right people track. are pick, picking up yeah. on, and yeah, we're absolutely. discussing all these. You know, important that, this comics, is the thing. You know? I mean, this this podcast is essentially an extension of what we do in the store on a daily basis, where we just chat about comics, things we're enjoying, movies. You know, throw out theories for what's coming up and upcoming issues, that kind of thing. So it's a, it's essentially an extension of that, and it's nice to know that that general sort of banter and discussion we have in the store actually has a bit of depth to it as well and the creators have you know noticed that so um yeah so that was really satisfying um just talking about you know on a creative side of things we had a, a very interesting weekend in that uh matthew rosenberg was reaching out to comic stores for trying to come up with new ways to help sell hawkeye matthew freefall matthew rosenberg hawkeye freefall astonishing x-men uncanny x-men most recent punisher, punisher. run before Garth Ennis has come back for Soviet, uh, a couple of indie titles, uh, We Can Never Go Home, uh, Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. Uh, not yet Road Axe Factor, but, you know, Keith will try and change that. You're hoping. But, uh, yeah, he was he was kind enough to reach out and ask what he could do to help try and make that happen. So I had a bit of an email discussion with him. Uh, we've been looking at branching out the podcast slightly to maybe incorporating some creator interviews. Of course, we talk to a writer every single time. Hey, hello. <laughs> is, that, is that right or wrong? Yeah, it's just in case you don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're looking at actually upgrading our equipment and being able to chat with people all around the world, record Skype conversations. You know, we it was something we chatted with Clay about when he was over and he said he's definitely up for that. So maybe when Batcat gets properly announced, we can reach out and that's another avenue. But yeah, Matt was, uh, he was very kind enough to uh, send a little video saying, you know, mentioning the name of the store and that was got a wee bills out of that. <laughs> and send that we'll be doing an upcoming podcast with them. So, and where can you find that video? You can find that video on our Facebook page, our Instagram page, our Twitter page. If I have a page, it's on there. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's uh, he's done it for a lot of stores, and again, it's something I really love is something about the industry. People are able to converse with creators and writers mm -hmm. and artists, and you know they'll they'll answer questions honestly, or they want you to enjoy the work and you know get it out there. So. Interestingly enough, our um, pre-orders <laughs> doubled <laughs> just on the back of that. So it shows that the care that creators have does have an effect on us as an audience. Yeah, you know. So, uh, so that's really something exciting to look forward to. Uh, something else I was just going to mention as well as a little bit of sort of housekeeping for the store is that we're going to do an initiative over December. Uh, we're going to announce it properly on social media. Hopefully, we've announced it by the time it's on the podcast, but it's just worth mentioning. Uh, we're going to do an initiative for people to, um, if they have any comics lying around they don't need, they're not worried they're going to suddenly jump up and value or anything <laughs> like that. Have you met comic book collectors? <laughs> Nobody has comics rolling around they don't need. <laughs> 
this is true. But I think you get a lot of people who are maybe clearing out their houses or making space for things. And mm-hmm. I, I do know a couple of regulars who donate comics to charity. And that sort of gave us the idea of having this initiative for kid-friendly comics. You know, comics for all ages. If you have spare copies lying about or you're going to throw them out or donate them, if you bring them into us for every uh, comic that someone donates, we'll match that with something out of our back catalogue. And then we're going to run that until the 20th of December. And then what we're going to do is donate comics to children's charities, you know, Children's Cancer War, Children's Hospice, that kind of thing, just all around Belfast as a wee sort of, you know, nice thing to do this time of year. Um, we, we did it quite successfectfully before and the kids seem to really appreciate it, the parents especially yeah, it's not the first the charity yeah. thing that the, the store has done is it yeah we, we like to try and reach out where we can and you know we've raised money for children's cancer fund before and, and stuff like that so I just think it'd be a really nice thing to do so we're going to set up a wee area at the end of the counter people can just bring their comics in put them there and uh, and we'll make sure they get into the right hands uh, so that's probably enough of me chatting away uh, have you guys been what have you been before we jump into comics of course what have you been mm. watching what have you been up to what have you been enjoying obviously no one has seen The Mandalorian yet heard good no. things about it though heard good things you know yeah I've heard in fact I've heard <laughs> the previews the the, the, the the scene before the credits yeah and the first episode is better than the last two movies so I've heard so you've heard just depends how you view the last two movies yeah yeah, we do. <laughs> we do. We uh, we view them with our eyes. Um, sorry, we should say at this point, Killen is one of the one percent of the world that thinks Last Jedi is good. Uh, <laughs> it has flaws, but yeah. porgs are the best thing. <laughs> Get out. Uh, yeah, no, I, mean, I, I did genuinely enjoy the Last Jedi, but from what I've heard about the Mandalorian, it sounds like it's going to be an epic. Yeah, yeah, big show. Looks very old school, Star Warsy yeah. and space western, and you know that kind of stuff. They've been sort of doing good with Star Wars again. I'm not the biggest Star Wars guy, but I've heard good things about the the game. There's a game out recently yes, too that's meant to be order. very I actually good. So. Broke my promise of there. myself and Brandon had promised ourselves we we're going to wait until closer to Christmas. We didn't make it to December. We both went and bought the game. Oh, well, there you go. Last week. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think that's because you have both pumped in so many hours to Death Stranding that you finally need a new game. I beat it quicker than Brandon did, so I just want to Yeah, but record. did you not do it in like 56 hours or something like that? And he did no. it in 60-something? He though? did it 54 hours. I did it 48 hours. Six hours quicker. I can't even imagine playing a game for 48 <laughs> hours now. I no. just, I'm definitely but getting old. The thing that pulled me away from it is the new Star Wars game is great. It's And it is canon, yeah. so it's going to be in line with stuff that happens could have repercussions throughout the movies I haven't finished it yet I've been cool. having too much fun throwing yeah. people at stormtroopers off railings and trying to throw them into really starships I'm looking forward to that uh, Cyberpunk 2077 yeah it's going to be great that looks like it's going to be that's next year isn't it is it I think yep. so yeah. uh, uh, I, saw, yeah. I, saw, I saw it in a shop and I was coming soon that's not soon <laughs> coming soon in video game terms <laughs> oh, okay. so I can, I can just stick with Red Dead then yeah. it's be all right. you're good with Red yeah. Dead yeah. Okay. because Red Dead won't get old yeah. Well, the good thing is uh, I could chat to Phil today in the store, and he's going to lend me his PS4 so I can finally play Shenmue Three after 19 years of waiting. Because I refused to buy a PlayStation Four for one game. You know, Spider Man couldn't make me buy it. I'm still not going to buy one. So. I can lend you Spider Man too if you want. Uh, I mean, when I get it, I can always borrow. Spider Man is brilliant. I enjoyed Spider-Man when I played of it. I just could not get over the fact that the button for counter was different to the button for counter in Arkham Asylum. I just couldn't oh, get over yeah, it. Yeah. I, I was so conditioned yeah, to yeah. press one button. Yeah. And it, 
I just can't get over it. I have yeah. the same problem. <laughs> Segwaying between Spider-Man and Red Dead, I, I kept trying to talk to people in Red Dead and, and shooting them in the gut. <laughs> it wasn't pleasant. Uh, no one thing you guys have been enjoying, I haven't jumped into it just yet, is Watchmen TV oh, show. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Three episodes in, and I'm also listening to the uh, Comedying Podcast, the official podcast, which does covers three episodes per podcast so mm-hmm. you know three episodes podcast and another three episodes podcast oh, okay. um, I haven't so, got around to it yet but I've, I'm five episodes in now so uh, I'll probably have a few to catch up podcast on podcast is it's really <laughs> worthwhile I ha- I mean it's 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 a fallen down on my part obviously with regard to American history mm-hmm. but I hadn't realised that Tulsa 21 was a thing yeah. that actually happened yeah yeah, I heard a lot of that um, okay spoilers to a minimum please yeah. that's within the first well, two minutes yeah. yeah. that's, that's, that's two exactly. minutes <laughs> more than I've watched of it it's an event that it was <laughs> suppressed seems to have been suppressed in American history mm-hmm. and the show has brought it to a lot of people's attention oh okay um, effectively Tulsa was a was a fairly affluent um, part of a town uh, that was uh, that was it was it was, effect- it was called referred to as the Black Wall Street yeah um, and it was an area of the town where where uh, sort of black people had a you know a, they had all sorts of businesses and all sorts of you know and it was quite affluent and then uh, effectively there was a, a like a, a culling right a culling yeah mm-hmm. it was, and, it, it, and it, that's what kicks off yeah, Watchmen and in actual fact I think it's just, pretty relevant yeah it is it's pretty relevant but also I think the story of the series is is, is racism yeah. that's what it's about you know so uh, but it's a great it's great it's very very good, very yeah, good. Um, <laughs> everything so far has been masterful I feel yeah. they've just updated the comic to the modern age and, and it is it's, a comic it's, it's seem- it seamless mm-hmm. like yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it's interesting because as comic fans you know we have our own OCD ticks and so many people are like why is it 9 episodes why is it not 8 why is it not yeah. 10 apparently uh, Damon Lindelof said it was 9 out of a little bit of a nod to the comic because of the 9 panel structure uh-huh. yeah, yeah. so that's why it's 9 like uh-huh. and of course with Lindelof charge yeah. You're gonna be doing all right. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I uh, I went to see Ford versus Ferrari, or as it's called here, Le Mans '66, uh-huh. um, uh-huh. from James Mangold, who's the director of Logan, Logan. and mm-hmm. The Wolverine before that, and Walk the Line as well. Um, utterly fantastic film, like oh. a, sort of like an ode to like glory days of like Hollywood. Um, Christian Bale, Matt Damon, utterly brilliant. Christian Bale. Is he's like the opposite of Christian Bale in films? He's like fun, mm-hmm. but he's still the same level of intensity, and mm-hmm. he's got a very strange Australian British accent. Um, it's really worth going to see. Uh, I thought it was magical, really, really just class. Because um, films this year have kind of been a bit iffy, but with with that and the Irishman and Ad Astra as well, to that. Very it goes on Netflix yeah. this week. Oh, does it? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that's, a, that's a really interesting release, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. released it in the cinema and they're yeah, I got I got to see it in the cinema. Away, thank, oh, did you? Thankfully, like oh, so, yeah. yeah, nice. That's what I've been doing with my broken arm. I've just yeah. been going <laughs> to the movies. <laughs> yeah, I had a weekend of a couple of movies. I watched Dark Knight Rises for about the nineteenth time. Um, and it was really random how I watched it we just got into the house and I flicked the TV on it was 20 minutes into it and ITV and I just went I've got this in 4K screw that and started watching it from the start <laughs> um, but I watched that but then I watched Dark Phoenix for the first time um, it was enjoyable it was nothing to write home about I would put it above X3 and X-Men Apocalypse but certainly below X-Men 1 and 2 first class and then for me the best X-Men movie outside of Logan because I think it's the best in that universe but the best X-Men movie for me is Days of Future Past so yeah, um, so yeah it, was, it was good to finally watch it I, again I wasn't blown away but 
yeah, just jumped about a bit for my like not very much character development. I think it would really annoy a classic Marvel fan. I'd love to sim watch it with Keith. Yeah. <laughs> just I've never, see, I've never got around to watching that. Just to see everything pointed out. I kind of get fed up with Fox's X Men movies a wee while ago, and just never my interest in them just waned. Yeah, yeah. you know, I think it was about three I didn't see. Mm. So. I think I Maybe saw them two. all at one time or another. I think Dark Phoenix, yeah, completed the circle. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was uh, sort of what we've been up to, what we've been watching, obviously, outside of reading comics. Um, just before we jump in there, reviews, Keith had noticed a pretty interesting article on comic book resources, I believe. Which... Oh, yes, it was kind of interesting. They did a, they did a poll of, uh, of CBR readers, um, and uh, they polled the top, the top characters of DC and of Marvel. And I don't know if there's any surprises, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's uh, if we if we look at uh, a DC first, I mean, I guess you can put this up against what you what you might have thought. But uh, top five, we have uh, number five, uh, Barry Allen, Flash. We have at number four, Hal Jordan, Green Lantern. At number three, Nightwing. Number two, Superman. And number one, who do you reckon? Definitely gonna be Wonder Woman, <laughs> <laughs> Batman, of course. Mm. Um, so I don't think those are particularly surprising, are they? Mm. Uh, I thought the Marvel one was slightly more interesting. I have to say. Well, I mean, but, yeah, certainly yeah. for the top five. Certainly in the year of Endgame, where you would have thought a character there who's number seven. Mm, yeah, Iron Man maybe. Would yeah, have been that's higher. true. So yeah, Iron Man was number seven, uh, but the top five, Thor, the Odin Son, was was number five. Daredevil was number four, Wolverine was number three, number two was Captain America, Steve Rogers, and number one was Marvel's flagship character Spider-Man. Um, so yeah, it was kind of it's kind of interesting. I mean, obviously this is a poll, CBR comic book resources, so it's going to be more read by comic book folks yeah. than it would be by, you know, maybe yeah, movie goers, movie goers, yeah. yeah. So, it's, uh, so maybe that 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 says something. But I must yeah. say, interesting not to see Venom there, even in the top twenty, just given the great work you know Donny Cates has been yeah. doing on that character. That's true, yeah. Because um, I was looking for Silver Surfer there, one of my personal favorites, and it's at twenty. Okay. Venom's at twenty-seven. Wow. Um, so I'm just quite surprised because, as you say, it's more of a comic, you know, mm. literally comic book resource. Um, yep. So. Yeah, kind of interesting. Um, so we turned into high fidelity there. Give us your all-time top five. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need a bit yeah. of time. We need a, you know, I say what we yeah. do is we come back next week in our review show and we, we have our have top room. five mixed. We did world. that with MCU movies one day at the store and it didn't take as short a time as we thought it would. I think no, we were really for quite didn't. a while. Yeah. There's no. a lot of arguments. <laughs> I think that day in the store we ranked all our MCU movies. Star then we were like, Wars what movies? else can we do? And we ranked the Star Wars movies, we ranked DC movies. the DC movies in the Steven, new extended universe. Steven ranked the high school musical movies. We <laughs> laughed at them. We ranked the Batman movies. We ranked Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting day that but uh no that's 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 your homework for the week guys. You know, come back next week with your uh your top five all-time characters, <laughs> both both companies into one. No, no indie characters, Roddy. Oh. <laughs> Yours will be the I'm most stuck, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we will be talking about a few of those characters just as I look at what <laughs> we have as our picks of the week. Uh, so yeah, again, so we're obviously going with the, the new weekly format. You know, we each pick a book that we thought was the standout. Have a little bit of a deep dive into that, and then we'll have a few honourable mentions there uh, afterwards. Um, Starting with Mr. McKells, we are indeed. We're indeed. Um, so I was thinking 
of a segue because we've all but I don't want to spoiler it so what I'll say is spoil away for our picks you you, I will, you already had to control yourself last week with Gideon Falls which <laughs> yeah. we appreciated oh but yeah this is just the number one no, so spoil away um, I don't want to ruin anything for the listeners but I will start you off with Olympia which is a Jack Kirby inspired a tale um, and we'll get to sort of like the fourth world that mm-hmm. sort of age mm-hmm. of heroes and um, we'll get to that company very frequently as we continue the podcast okay how about that yep um so <laughs> olympia it's written by kurt powers and tony powers with art from alex diotto colors from d cuniff and letters from micah Mars. um this one actually wasn't on my pull list um although i remember from previews we were talking about it and i thought do you know what that sounds like really cool like pick up as a graphic novel because um, it was like five issues, that's great. But um, I went down to Dublin this week. I saw Ghost, and I took a wee pilgrimage to another comic book store. Oh yeah, Big Bang Comics, highly recommend it. I've been in there um, myself. That's a really, really lovely store. So it? it's I'll, on my list if everyone managed to make it. Down it's to yeah, it's one of obviously apart from Coffee and Heroes, definitely it's in the all-time top five comic book mm-hmm. stores. <laughs> um, so really 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 enjoyed it down there a great just a really nice store really nice talking to the guy there and yeah just looked around and it was great to obviously comic book shops are very different big bang had no back issues Mm -hmm. they had probably issues going back like three or four from different series because i thought I saw Lois Lane and I was like, oh, I can maybe pick up all the issues of Lois Lane and then go for that. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have number one, so I was like, damn it. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I was looking through, browsing through, and then um, I was like, I don't really want to leave empty-handed. So mm-hmm. I thought I would pick up this because I noticed the um, Christian Ward did a variant cover, which is um, very Spielbergian, shall we say. Oh, yes, um, I see what you're saying. Uh, gorgeous. Uh, looks your man on the front looks like Elliot from E.T. and right. then you've got a big uh, god in the background the Olympian himself but um, to get into a bit of the story Keith noticed something really interesting here and the very start of the book it's narration and there came a day unlike any other when the wo- well yeah well and, and there and came a it. day unlike any other that's Stanley's first words and Avengers mm-hmm. you know in Avengers number one that's you know fantastic yeah. of course this um, this book it's it's Stanley and Jack Kirby inspired and you can tell just by looking at it um, there was actually a really nice story about it um, it's the concept for it was Tony Powers who was Kurt Powers the writer's dad uh-huh. and Tony was he came up with the idea when he was in hospital uh, and he was being treated for cancer uh-huh. and unfortunately he didn't he hasn't made it to see the book um, but Kurt, Kurt Powers has carried the idea through and we finally have it here um, so it's a really it's a really heartfelt um, love letter to Tony Powers who obviously his idea didn't really get to see to see it unfortunately so to start off um, we're taken into panels of the comic book and we meet uh, Olympian and then we meet the villain who wants the the Everflow mm-hmm. and this is this is the <laughs> it's it's very cheesy but you know you know what to expect with it it seems this it's part deliberately cheesy yeah, this part yeah. is like taken straight from the pages of a comic <laughs> um, so this this comic is our main character's favorite comic and you Who's know your main character then the Olympian obviously reminds us 
he looks a bit like Thor. He's got a lion sort of chest plate. He's a bit Thor. Um, he's a bit He-Man. Yeah. So our our main character. I can't remember the guy's name actually at the moment. Hold on, one second. It's with an E, doesn't it? I think it's on the back cover there. What was it? At this point, I'm going to have to. Elon. I'm going to have to interject yeah. and say you may hear munching in the background. We <laughs> we have a lot of recording to do tonight, so there's pizza on the table. So apologies Ooh. in advance. So um, yeah, Elon. He's um, he's sitting by a tree reading this comic, and he's so he's like, reading the comic that features the our heroes, Olympian. Mm-hmm. So he's reading it, and he's like, "Cliffhangers, man! I tell you, they're going to be the death of me." Um, so it's a really great, really nice introduction. Then he notices something coming through the sky, and he's like, "What the hell is that?" So obviously, comet crashing down to Earth. Um, this is a very, it's very stylish artwork, and a really, uh, D or sorry, Alex Diotto's artwork is really, really pops at you. It's very, it's almost captures like the childhood joy of comic books. It's mm-hmm. like. A real, it's a real throwback. I know some people might say it's quite simple or something like that. I've seen a few reviews say it's a bit serviceable, but I, I disagree. Took me right into this comic. It's gorgeous and uh, the kind of colors are great. Um, just reminds me like of something like something of an 80s Spielberg movie. It's like something like E.T. But it continues on. Something crashes the earth, and uh, Elon's like, "Oh my god!" And lo and behold, the Olympian has crashed to earth. And I really like this because it um, it features same as something is killing the children. It has the double page. Yeah. Uh, something is killing the children in big bold letters. Yeah. This one has Image Comics proudly presents, and then you turn the page and Olympia in massive that's letters very, with all the that's credits. Very it is yeah. very yeah. it is like is this set in the eighties? Um, I don't think so. I think modern it's day. modern day. Yeah. Um, but it certainly feels eighties. Um. But yeah, it's so a, it's amazing. A lot of comics are kind of doing this. I find at the moment they're having like a mm-hmm. little pre-credit scene. Yep. Then it's like title, and then the comic begins proper. Obviously, the X Men books are doing it at the moment. Something is killing Something the children. Killing too. The children. Um, there's been a lot of that recently, and it, and it works. It it's, really, yeah, just sets the tone it's really stylish, well. It's a really nice, stylish it's choice. Nostalgia to it, you know. As long as they're not wasting page space and storytelling pages. True. But yeah, it goes on, and he discovers. The Olympian who's crashed down to Earth, and he, the Olympian just says, they're coming, but Elon has to leave him, and he's got to go back to his mother. He's he's, father, he's a fatherless child, so he's, he's sort of like a latchkey kid, spends a lot of time doing nothing, doing a whole lot of nothing. He can adventure by himself. He's He reads comic books all the time. He's got a digital watch. He yeah, does very, very 80s. Could be 80s, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, so it continues on, and he he goes to bed, and then of course his mum tucks him in at night, and then he sneaks out with a torch. I love this scene. There's um, in this story, there's not a lot of speech in it. There's a lot of pages will go by with not very much story um, lettering. But yeah, continues on. He he sneaks out. He's obviously going to see the Olympian. And he's in school, continues. He's he doesn't pay much attention in school. He's obviously dreaming of his adventures with mm-hmm. the Olympian. He's 
he's distracted. He doesn't really know what to do. And he's obviously a smart kid, but he just has no no interest in it. Uh-huh. So I, I definitely got similar vibes of like, that reminds me of myself. Like, you know, um, this is like, I think we were all kind of the same, were we in school? I don't know. Don't know about you guys, but I, I certainly felt an affinity to it because I, I used to spend my days daydreaming and reading comics and all that sort of stuff. So definitely hit home, and that's definitely an I mean, you're asking, Spielberg vibe. You're asking yeah. Keith and I to remember school. That was a long time ago. You know? Gosh, shut up, guys. Unlike, yeah. unlike you young kids, you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah. Did you just have chalkboards in school? <clears throat> you will get slapped. <laughs> I had a chalkboard as well. I didn't. Did you? No. We 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 transitioned from chalkboard to whiteboard. Whiteboards were seen yeah. as fancy when whiteboards. Oh yeah, yeah. They had wheels and everything. We had the interactive boards. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Well, anyway, um, going back, so the arrival of Olympian seems to have heralded some sort of like um, transition for Elon, and he basically goes to sleep beside this great Olympian then he wakes up and the Olympian's gone so he's like what the hell am I going to do and he he feels so weird because he has to call out Olympian so it's kind of embarrassing to him and then it continues on and there's a lot of there's a lot of humour in the book because uh, Elon steals pills from his mother um, it's aspirin and he because he wants to uh, he wants to restore the Olympian to life because he passed out in the previous book uh, he gives the the Olympian aspirin and it just it's a really nice or sorry Vicodin it's a really funny scene because he's like what is this life storing <laughs> substance he's like I have to take more and take it back to the his home planet mm. but yeah really good really cool story um, I just loved it um, it end, basically ends with uh, the villain coming to Earth and the Olympian battling a load of monsters. Really, it's just a really nice throwback. Same way the um, Folklords and a lot of other titles mm. have felt like a nice throwback to older stories. I really like this one. Ends with a Jack mm. Kirby quote. Of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what else? Could, it's, it's just a love letter. It's like Jack Kirby meets... Steven Spielberg. That's mm-hmm. if you like that sort of stuff, you're gonna love the comic. It uh, reminds me a wee bit of a book that Mark Miller wrote um, a couple of years back. Well, more than a couple of years back, I say a couple of years. Starlight. No, I'm thinking. Um, I'm not. I'm thinking of uh, Marvel. Marvel 1985. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tommy Lee Edwards and art. Um, and it was 2000. That was 2008. Mm-hmm. and that's exactly what that was it was a case of Marvel characters from Secret Wars specifically popped into this our world you know as a result of this kid's imagination you know and so forth and so on so I guess uh, I'm wondering there you know there we go my, my verbal tick of you know again oh I had a few <laughs> in that one yeah. <laughs> uh, is it a case of the kid gives him Vicodin mm-hmm. and it restores him is that because the kid believes Vicodin to be some sort of restoring power? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's seen his parents take it or yeah. whatever. Uh, you know, so is this again a case of um, the story? You know, the narrative um, in the same way as I guess Once a Future and uh, Folklords. Yeah, it's all about the story and, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I think there's there's qu- there's the first, the first issue sets up quite a lot, but I think there's going to be more to come, and a lot of I would say there's going to be 
a few twists in mm-hmm. it. Like it obviously is just at the moment you think, okay, this is going to be a straight. You know, these these uh, mythical heroes have come out of the page and crashing to earth. Like that seems simple enough, you know. But I think there's going to be a lot a of twists and turns more. and a lot of heartfelt stuff going on. Cool. So we shall see. Yeah, nobody else got the chance to read it. No, no I, I, did, I had a read through it before we started recording. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's like you're saying, it was very fun read. Um, if I recall from the previews, I meant to pick it up, but didn't quite get there. So I'll mm-hmm. and there's maybe, an issue that slipped your pull list. It definitely was. Is such a thing possible? Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's going to be a five issue mini series. Um, so it is. But yeah, some of the the preview covers and so forth there are pretty pretty cool. Cool. Good stuff. So that was Olympia number one, which of course was Roddy's pick. Uh, I am delighted to say that we are now moving on to a DC clean sweep uh, yes. for the rest of the titles. Um, we're going to kick things off with Kaelin's Choice. This was something that um, I know a few of us are reading at this table and I think we all agreed was the best issue so far. Yeah, it's definitely been the highlighted series so far. So it's flash forward number three, uh, halfway through this six issue miniseries and it was definitely the point that the story picked up. Oh, that, that if it had been, if it had turned a corner, like that's, yeah, yeah, we were saying earlier before we were recording, if it hadn't picked up, it very likely would have been the last issue that we had picked up. It's, yeah, it's, oh, I mean, that would have been, yeah. The writing was brilliant. But so, yeah. oh, sorry. sorry, for someone that hasn't, someone that's read Heroes in Crisis but hasn't read Flash Forward. Yes. What? Uh, what's? It, tell me the gist. Uh, the gist is flash Sell forward. Sell him the trade. <laughs> Sell him the trade right now. That's your job. Flash forward. <laughs> I provide the trade. He's <laughs> the focus is Wally West's redemption after his little mistake where he accidentally killed his nearest and dearest friends and lifelong colleagues. In he a just, moment of panic. In a moment of panic and anxiety, he lost control for just a brief second, and because he's the Flash, so much happened in that second. He lost so many people. He lost his best friend. This, this series is basically Wally's journey through the dark multiverse to redeem himself, to save these worlds and heal them from the darkness. But it's not, it's, I mean, it's not, is, is it, he's in the dark multiverse? Or it, is it, it seems he's bouncing, by the dark he's bouncing between dark multiverse worlds, worlds that are on the verge of being pulled into the multi, dark multiverse. Yeah. And um, like I said, this time he's on Earth 43 and it does seem to be a normal Earth version. Mm, and well, I mean, a normal the gist of it is as well that I mean the overall arc is that uh, Wally has been recruited by Tempest Fuginaut yes who seems to be like the watcher of the yeah, DC universe yeah he seems to be DC's uh, big guy who gets to sit back and yeah and, and, and watches the stuff and, watches. And, and, and so they couldn't call he, he's given he's given Wally this like cosmic Magic control stick. rod thing yeah <laughs> that, that allows Wally to clean these universes of the dark matter that's infecting them and that dark matter has triggered certain dark events that yeah it's, so it's pushing pushing so the multiverse has a vampire universe which is what this issue focuses mm-hmm. on this is the crux of it this world has been infected but it was never this bad they covered it in the first few pages it was never as bad there was always a balance between humans and vampires yeah yeah the dark matter has now been pushed it the other way pushed yeah. it the other way tipped yeah. the scales and not in favour of the light yes absolutely but uh Diving in and speeding through, it's just beautiful art, beautiful layouts. Uh, we were talking earlier, the first double page spread is beautiful. It's an overarching image of these citizens of Gotham being thrown off roofs, falling, something's happening, they're falling, and then it's three smaller panels inset in the image 
tilt. They're off center. They're tilted, and they're just beautiful. It's very it's captures almost, the motion yeah, of what happens in the issue. It's almost like the three D there, the way they are. <laughs> yeah, I, I really love that design. The art in this series has been beautiful. Still, whereas the story may have, well, I just love Brett Booth's art and the fact that he's the one who designed Wally for the rebirth. Oh yeah. DC. Okay. He draws Wally's costume best. He Can't gets help but notice there, um, that first. There's the, the image of Doom in the in the sky yeah, as across all the new titles. Uh, that we still don't know really know yeah, what's going to happen, well, but something I happening. I love how the uh, the credits are like in little yeah. lettering bubbles, and they're sort of off kilter as well. Like they're free falling, falling or tumbling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, everything else is nice and in line. All the narration but then the credits they're off they nearly <laughs> draw your eye it's nice to be like oh this is such nice but yeah diving in Wally uh, does what heroes do saves a few people and just gets hit by a boat as, just as you as, as you do and of course but of course being the fastest man in the multiverse he gets out of the way gets everyone out of the way and saves them uh, but is confronted by the vampiric leader of the Justice League of Vampires Superman or Ultraman we're not 100% sure mm. he has the U but he calls himself Superman fair enough but yeah, um, Wally just shows though, the next few pages are Wally just demonstrating that he is now untethered, that whatever was holding him back after the Heroes in Crisis and from Rebirth, it's gone, he's accepted, he is the fastest, he's mm. thinking faster, moving faster. He's been he's been untethered, un- yes. unmoored from his own universe, uh, I believe, and that has removed all his inhibitions and so forth. Yeah, forth he's, so he's on, not so afraid to be the fastest. To be the fastest, and, and that's... That's exactly it, you know. Whereas the fa- the Flash is the fastest man in the world. Yeah, uh, Wally, Wally is. is now the fastest man in the multiverse. Yeah, you know, definitely. And I mean that that part of that, you know, Flash War was. I mean, Wally is faster than, than yeah. Mario, it's isn't it? it's the, like it, does, it depends. Sometimes it depends on who the writer is and how the yeah. story. But historically, Wally I think has been the better Flash. He's been fastest. He's but understood he's, the speed force. But in this, he's changing. He feels himself changing. He yeah, knows he's, he's getting faster. Yeah. He says that. How am I keeping track of the number of these punches that he's hitting Super Vampire with? Is this what Tempest meant when he said I was on unmoored? I can hold two separate thoughts at once. So he's thinking faster, moving faster. He's moving beyond anything he's ever done before, mm-hmm. and it's just it's brilliantly well done. Yeah, and I mean that that scene where That's where he uh, just, he uh, realizes he's, he's having these two thoughts, and he realizes that if. If, he's if he's almost having this conversation with himself. He's yeah. like, hang on, I'm simultaneously beating up Superman and, and I'm running my own inner monologue yeah. here. So he, he realizes that if, if Superman's vulnerability, human, you know, if, if regular Superman's, Superman's vulnerability is kryptonite, he's a vampire now, so yeah. wooden <laughs> stakes and uh, super speed builds a nice little trap that keeps Superman pinned down and yeah, surrounded by surrounded by sharp pointy, pointy objects. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is Which interesting is, that Superman actually refers to him as a mortal. Like he's just had the crap beat out of him by his yeah. feet, so he's like, "When I get out of this, I'm gonna give you a Still long, a lingering death moral." <laughs> yeah. yeah um, with that slightly demonic version of Superman taken care of, we get a glimpse of Wally being viewed through a crosshair. But before it can be revealed, what's quite going on? He's attacked by the vampiric version of his mentor, Barry Allen. The uh, I would say the original Flash, the second Flash. The Flash. The, fla- <coughs> the Flash. And in something a bit reminiscent of Flash 50 in the Flash War it has Barry and Wally fighting at super speed this one though takes a slightly darker turn Wally's trauma comes, yeah. to, comes to light he, he starts picturing the faces of his fallen friends he sees Narc and Arsenal both praying and it's enough It's enough to throw him off These his dead friends are suddenly attacking him it's mixed in with what, what, what Barry is saying to him and obviously the guilt and trauma is playing on him 
it's just enough for Barry to gain the advantage as Vampiric and as fast as Wally may be his trauma is still making him mm-hmm. slow enough it's yeah. distracting yeah. enough but Wally's uh, his loss doesn't last too long Barry is quickly taken care of with a few crossbow bolts or arrows to the back and it's revealed that Roy Harper Wally's best mate Arsenal Arsenal is uh, alive and well in this universe as opposed to the main one and has been spending his life hunting down the Justice League of Vampires well I suppose it's handy whenever your main talent is firing pointy wooden objects yeah it's definitely <laughs> a tree that would have gone up in value yeah but yeah, um, there's a few nice pages of just Wally. He's clearly reminiscing about his best friend. And the banter he's having with Arsenal is quite mm. similar to what he used to have. Although this Arsenal doesn't know Wally, uh, they quickly slip they into, quickly slip uh, into uh, old familiar, habits. Yeah. yeah, which is odd considering they've never met. But yeah, uh, Wally and the Earth 43 Arsenal make their way to the source of the vampire problem, which of course has to be the Batcave and is also the source of the dark matter it's where the dark matter in the universe has converged where it has pushed Batman to go a little bit far in his war against mm-hmm. crime so Batman is always willing to do that a little bit extra to beat to beat the bad guys he's willing to become the Batman who laughs he's willing to take on these risks in order to save his city in this he's decided the best way to fight the vampires is become a vampire himself but unfortunately has been pushed too far it's Mm-hmm. Suggests that it's keyed on by the influence of this dark matter and the dark multiverse. He's gone a little bit too far. Wally and Arsenal actually pretty quickly dispatch him. Mm. Showing just the yeah, the the wrap up is actually quite <coughs> the wrap up's quite quick. The the battle with Batman is almost incidental to the yeah. It's yeah. it's almost like oh yeah. By the way, they beat ba- Batman. Mm-hmm. Wally just casually traps him in a nuclear reactor that Bruce has lying about the Batcave. I think it's the power source of the Batcave. Yeah, but. But plug it, plug it in. Yeah, plug the back computer in. Uh, unfortunately, though, the battle isn't without consequences, and once again, Wally loses. Roy Harper he holds him in his arms as he dies. This one, though, it's sort of a somber page, but at the same time, the theme of it is a bit more about Wally's redemption. Well, that yeah, it's redemptive. Yeah, definitely. he saw Roy when he when Wally was responsible for his death as a victim, as a victim of his crime, and now he's seeing that Roy wasn't a victim. None of them were. They were heroes. And it's it's tempts the narrative over it. Yeah, he talks about he's done so many unsavory things, protecting the multiverse from the dark multiverse, but he's never been called to reignite the flame within a hero. Just just suggests that That's Wally has more to yeah. do. Yeah, but definitely a massive, massive upturn in the in mm-hmm. the series. Yeah, big style, big style. I mean, it was it's great. I mean, it was Scott Lobdell's. The writing's. Brilliant. I mean, Scott Lobdell's an old hand. Yeah. Of, uh, you know. A lot of Marvel books and, and that, so I mean, he, he's an experienced writer. It was very um, much. It was fun and silly and a little bit. Mm, it's yeah. A little bit comic silly, but not it was never at the expense of quality or emotion. Well, that I mean that that was Lobdell attracted me to this book, and I was disappointed with the first two first mm. two issues, but it, it's really had its stride now. This yeah. this issue. See, it so. was Brad Booth that attracted me. I love his art, just how he draws. And I love Wally too, of course. Uh, you know, yeah. So. Um, ironically, everyone loves Wally except DC. <laughs> but uh, the only problem I had with this was DC's overabundance of adverts, especially when it's adverts for their own series. So they've adverts for Far Sector, Von Freeze, and The Question, and it's just it's very disruptive of the story. Mm-hmm. And then of course you have the two-page Snickers, Snickers advert. adverts, mm-hmm. the two-page Svengulli adverts. I don't care. I want to read about the Flash yeah. beating all vampires. 
Yes. I don't want to read about Sven Gulli, who I don't know and I don't care about. To he's, the point he's where in the next one. Oh great! Maybe Wally can <laughs> beat him up. <laughs> but I, it frustrated me to the point where I actually tweeted um, Scott Lobdell and Brett Booth asking who is it that decides where the where the placement of the ads go. And I got a very short, succinct message back in that it's DC. Yeah. Just that. That was all Brett Booth replied with DC. They didn't tag she DC. In didn't the tag reply, DC, yeah, yeah. but. The, uh, you can sense a little bit of animosity maybe cool I totally understand yep. these guys write this story yep but good book yeah. good book great book yep. highest point of the series so far if it gets better that will be phenomenal yep absolutely well I mean the main takeaway I had from it is that uh, I sometimes worry when you've got a series like this and then they feel the need to introduce like Batman Superman <laughs> it's almost like a series is struggling through these characters in but what I thought was great about this issue was it very much kept the focus on Wally mm-hmm. you know you're worried when you see that cover it's like oh cool vampire Batman vampire Superman but this vampire was very Wonder vampire Wonder Woman who didn't appear nope. um, but your worry is that these characters will overshadow the main character but this was very much Wally's book and that's that's a testament again to the writing yeah, um, so yeah I'm, I'm on board with these guys I thought easily the best issue yet um, and hopefully a good sign of things to come. Um, they definitely hit their stride. But speaking of Titans... And speaking of good signs of things to come... <laughs> uh, he has his fingers crossed so every yeah, night. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the same. We're talking about uh, a legacy character. Yeah. Um, so I'm pulling out uh, Nightwing number 66, which has got one of these uh, acetate covers. You're the villain acetate covers that DC has been doing this past couple of months. And this one has been my favourite yet. Um, the uh, the the acetate cover is by John Boy Mayers, and the outside of the acetate cover, which covers the inside cover, is the Talon, and he's got Batman and uh, and, and Damien and and Batgirl, uh, sort of beaten the, the bat symbol shattered, you know, the bat signal shattered. And uh, these have been a wee bit frustrating, you were saying last week, Alan, because they don't often have the title of the actual book in front. Yeah, I know there's been a few <laughs> stores of sort of complaints because the the actual book that it is is just in very small letters underneath the uh, the DC logo in the top mm. left hand corner. Um, luckily enough with us, because we because we obviously have quite a small store and we will talk to every single customer who comes in. We're always there to offer advice, but I know some of the bigger stores hate it because yes. they're looking at it and going Talon in the Court of Isles yeah. what? and like, that's what it says in this cover but whenever you open the, the acetate cover it's covering a, an image of uh, Dick Grayson or Rick Grayson as the case may be in a, in a Talon uniform with his mask off and the, the members of the Night Wings troop uh, are, are the ones that are gathered at his at his feet beaten and that's more indicative of what's going on in the issue so and what we should say is throwing a cheap plug at this point too this all links back to the Court of Isles check out previous book club podcast yes the <laughs> one before the last actually the one before yeah. the last so uh, obviously to to cut a long story short uh, we know that Dick Grayson was shot in the head by uh, KG Beast uh, under Bane's uh, tutelage uh, and has lost his memory uh, he now lives in Bloodhaven as uh, Rick or Richard Grayson uh, he's got a whole new life everything every memory short of his parents and the circus is gone he doesn't remember being uh, taken in by Bruce Wayne he doesn't remember being Nightwing he doesn't or Robin he doesn't remember being Nightwing he doesn't remember any of that and you know over the past year or so the various members of the Bat family have come to him and, and he's got no emotional connection to them because he's got no memories of them 
So he's created his own life in Bloodhaven. Uh, he early on he set on fire uh, his his Nightwing cave in Bloodhaven. You know where he kept all his uniforms. But uh, there was a group of police uh, personnel and firefighters who discovered the the cave. A guy named Sap, uh, uh, Detective Sapienza, I think. Um, uh, they found four costumes of various costumes of Nightwings and became like a group, a four four person group of Nightwings realising that Nightwing had disappeared they filled the gap you know they're not obviously as well trained as, as Dick Grayson was you know and so forth and so on but um, they have they have been the Nightwings this, this past year or so I think it's been about a year it's been it? about that uh, yeah I'd say so um, so uh, occasionally uh, Rick would pitch in with them uh, they don't know who he is they just call him the cabbie because he's a taxi driver <laughs> uh, and he of course he levels the playing field for them because he's so well trained but uh, over the past few issues uh, William Cobb who I'm a wee bit more familiar with having read Court of Owls the talent, yeah. uh, he was the, the, the talent of the 1800s wasn't that right mm-hmm. and also Dick Grayson's great great grandfather um, and he has effectively this is a plan of the Court of Owls that has come to fruition he's appeared his intent is to recruit his great great grandson to be what he was always meant to be which was a talent uh, and that's been referred to before isn't that yeah. correct so uh, but this the reason that there's like a refer to this as the turnaround is because this is the first time we get an inkling that we're going to see Dick Grayson back very very soon instead of this Rick Grayson character so the first inkling was in Nightwing Annual number two which was uh, a couple of weeks oh, back recent um, choice, yeah. and we followed we followed Rick's counsellor uh, I don't know if you've read it yet have you I'd highly recommend reading it especially since you're such fans of Court of Isles. Uh so it starts to become clear that all is not as it seems that since Rick was, since Dick was shot in the head uh, the counsellor that uh, has been helping him with his trying trying to regain his memories and giving him medication to deal with his headaches and such is a member of the Court of Owls. Yeah, so there's a deeper story here. Yeah. So that was in the annual, but it was it was really fantastic stuff. This starts with a fire, we have the night wings in action. Uh, the cabbie doesn't appear. And the reason the cabbie doesn't appear is because he's otherwise engaged. Um, uh, Rick has been captured by by William Cobb and he's been these goggles have been put on them and they're like brainwash devices. They're they're Replacing the memories that Rick has lost with memories that the Court of Owls want him to have. Uh, so False and, memories, essentially. Yeah, and, and the thing is that we re- we know from the annual that that Rick's memories, his original memories, have been repressed deliberately, uh, and now they've, they've made space and they're now replacing those memories with the memories that the Court of Owls want him to have in order to make him into the person that they need him to be, that being the talent. So uh, it's a really, really great issue, and we see the memories that they're replacing Rick with so uh, Rick's memories with so they go back and they, they, they see his parents he remembers his parents and they, they push those memories into his head and they remember that he remembers the murder of his parents but instead of Bruce Wayne it's not Bruce Wayne that appears to save him and his, and these replaced memories it's William Cobb his grandfather and uh, you know it goes from there then they replace it with memories of, of Rick training you know, not under Batman in this case, alongside uh, the, the the Court of Owls and alongside his his grandfather to eventually become the ultimate weapon that that they need him to be. You know, uh, 
and they, they also strangely it, it segues you'll really like this it segues into that scene at the start of Court of Owls you know where the Talon attacks Bruce and mm-hmm. the, 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 the Tar Gotham the tar. and, and uh, knocks him out the window and Bruce latches onto that forgotten fourth gargoyle or whatever it yeah. was yeah 13th well, is yeah, yeah, yeah whatever yeah. it was um, but in this in this other history there's another Talon that other Talon is the Grayson it's Dick Grayson and he attacks and kills Bruce Wayne, uh, and that's the that's the final moment where, where uh, you know William Cobb asks him what is your name, and, and Rick's Rick's girlfriend is here as well, and she's going Rick, you are Rick, and he's like I, I am a Talon. <laughs> I love his costume redesign, that Talon costume with the yeah, pretty awesome. The something Batman like yeah, bat-like like in the mask yeah. yeah so, um, this is all set against the backdrop of this single of doom in the in the sky as 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 all things and at the end of the issue uh the new talon the grayson uh attacks the four nightwings effectively uh and uh says nightwing the court of owls has nightwings the court of owls has sentenced you to death so i think we're now getting to the point where we're getting to the crux point here with the the rick grayson story where these memories have been implanted obviously we're going to have to see Dick Grayson back very, very shortly. Well, so unless it's Rick with a K. Well, I'm just really interested. I'm really looking forward to that moment. That the, again, that redemptive moment mm-hmm. where Rick, you know, and Rick and Dick together probably. I would imagine. He's probably imagine he's going to become yeah, an amalgamation. Battle through yeah. these. Battle through these false memories in order to to bring Dick back to ascendancy, or maybe they're going down the Spider-Man route where, you know. The, the, the Rick personality will sacrifice himself in order that Dick mm-hmm. can come back get something along those lines but I'm really looking forward to that moment but this was a great great book great story very enjoyable yeah so Nightwing on his way back <laughs> <laughs> is that hope or you know oh no I, it's, I, I think we're getting there I'm like hopeful about yeah, Nightwing actually, again actually now I know that I'm, I'm certain that, that Nightwing that Dick Grayson will be making his return uh I'm actually enjoying this story a lot more. <laughs> well, it's interesting as well. We've talked about it before with annuals about how, you know, nine times out of ten they can be sort of slightly cash-grabby and just one-off stories. Yeah. Annuals this year have been the sort of underrated stars of the year to a point. You know, you look at that amazing Spider-Man one, the Venoms, or Symbiote's Night Out, as yeah, we kept yeah, calling yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You look at the Father's Day one for Batman and then the last one Tom Keane wrote. Suddenly the Nightwing annual just spins that entire story yeah, on its head. So a lot of annuals and stuff like that have actually proven to be on some heroes. Well, in fairness to that, what <laughs> I, mean, I would Bendis say is Bendis is only writing about fifty comics a month. So Bendis <laughs> writing, you know, obviously Superman and action annual that is justice I did and Leviathan, you know, and, and all the yeah, rest. These new Superman things coming out are going to be um, his versions. Yeah. Plus, he does also have you know at least. 50,000 words per issue mm-hmm. you know to use so. yeah, usually I mean, per issue per character yeah. per speech bubble yeah um, <laughs> so what is your pick of the month Alan? your pick of the week Alan well so you know slipping back to your old habits there it wouldn't, week. it wouldn't be uh, too long I didn't think before I'd be talking about Batman again uh, I try not to be predictable on this podcast I try to throw out mentions for other stuff but you've been very good lately I've been trying. Yeah, I've been trying. I mean, I make no secret of my love of Tom King's Batman run. I make no secret of, you know, the long-term planning and care that's went into this story. Um, I'll segue slightly here by saying, you know, I've started reading 
Jason Aaron store run very much a case recommendation and I can see real parallels with the two runs in terms of stuff set up at the start that's coming to fruition now what I will say about Batman first of all before I delve into this issue which is issue 83 I find Tom King's run reads spectacularly well in graphic novels there are so many little details that you notice when you read a lot of issues together but because we're so desperate not to have spoilers, you still need to read the singles. Uh-huh. So it's one of those, it, it is more rewarding than trades, but again, you don't want to have stuff, stuff spoiled. And just to remind us, how many Tom King issues have we left? <sighs> Only two more after this. Um, so this I is mean, 83 of 85. Yeah. Keith and I will be holding a candlelight vigil at the end of the year, you know, with our issue 85 of Batman and our King Thor issue number four. <laughs> Little candlelight visuals for end of, the, end of an era. End of an era, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting I put up the thing about me starting to read um, King Thor, or sorry, uh, Jess Arn's Thor run, and saying like how you go on about it, and I thought it was time to pop into it, because you go on about it as much as I go on about Tom yes, King's yes. Batman run, uh-huh. and Tom King liked the tweet, um, so I think he's actually read Aaron's <laughs> Thor as oh, well. Oh, really? Yeah. But, uh, Where's yeah. Jason Aaron? Where's Jason Aaron? Like the tweet? Come on, I you're, let, you're I letting was, the side thing. I was a bit disappointed, but you know he's too busy re-starting uh, Southern Bastards. Hopefully, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, my eternal hope for him anyway. But yeah, so uh, Batman '83. Um, so this is Tom King on writing, Mikel Yannon on art, Jory Bellar on colors. Jory Bellar's coming about it. It's about an awful lot these days. She is everywhere and obviously becoming more of a established writer and artist in her own right as well, writing Buffy and so forth. Um, but this is City of Bane Part 9. Um, so this kicks off. The last issue ended were with the battle between Batman and Bane, which Batman had finally got the upper hand and he was just about to, we presume, break Bane's back. But Thomas Wayne comes in, seemingly shoots Bane dead, but also shoots Batman as well a couple of times. The chest he falls down, passes out. So this is Batman waking up and he wakes up in Wayne Manor. He wakes up at a dinner table, immaculately set. We start off with one of those beautiful nine-page, uh, nine-panel pages that Tom Keen is so fond of, and then you turn the page, and across the uh, table is Alfred's lifeless body. Though, I mean, what's significant is what's playing in the background, the soundscape. Yeah, I mean, you've got this. Uh, what what it eventually seems to be is it's a, a letter from Alfred to, or recording, I suppose, to Alf, um, from Alfred to Batman. His last recording. His last recording. What this does straight away, first of all, and again, this is one of the reasons I thought it key to mention that this reads so much better in trades. It was in Batman 77 that Alfred was killed. The whole time I've been thinking, that's Clayface, this is a setup, this is not actually really happening, they're not really going to kill Alfred. This is confirmation. He's dead. But we've waited 12 weeks for this. This is what I mean about Tom King's run is brilliant and long bur- uh, when you read long bursts of it. So you have this beautiful double page, and again, I should say, I'm so happy Mikel Yannon is finishing off Tom King's Batman run. Um, the only person that would have fit more with would have been David Finch had come back. David Finch had come back, and outside of Clay's work, but I have my obvious bias for that, <laughs> um, um, Mikel Yannon would be my personal choice. He's been he there beautiful. for all the big arcs, did the War of Jokes and Riddles, um, and I actually think his work has got better the longer it's went on. But uh, yeah, you hear this recording, and... Uh, it's it's Alfred's last words essentially. Alfred knows he's gonna die. That's the other interesting thing with this. Um, it establishes that back in issue seventy nine, which was one of the ones that Clay drew, there was a line of dialogue where Bruce says to Selena, um, "I got the signal from Alfred. He's safe." 
That's right. So yeah. they know that it's time to go back. But the thing is, Alfred, in his last words here, essentially says, I knew I was going to die, but I had to tell you I was safe. But I'm more yeah, than prepared. Really action, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but There's yes. Actually, that, this nine panel first page is fantastic. Actually, now you've reminded me that it ended with Batman getting shot. Yeah. And he's now waking up. You know, that just the progression, the, the fact that it, it, it zooms in, you know. Yeah, starts tight. Batman and he, you know, he, he's, he's asleep. He wakes up, he's groggy, he has a realisation, he gets angry, and then he realises exactly what's going on yeah. at the end, and you just see the anguish, the scream on his face, and it's it's quite <laughs> it's quite poignant, actually, it's quite hard-hitting. Yeah, I mean, the, the art in itself is hard-hitting, and then you start to get into the words, and, you know, Alfred referring to them as, like, you and I, Master Bruce, the boy and the butler, you know, the games we played, Cops and Robbers was your favourite... He goes into a lot of how when Bruce was younger and their relationship, how it's developed. But what's great about it is it's, apart from Batman's immediate Alfred, no Alfred, this is a silent issue until maybe the last five pages. You know, and you can just see the grief, the tears coming from the Kyle, you know. Bruce realises immediately, like, he can't fix this. Like, this is this is dumb, you know. Um, usually, you know, Batman's lauded for always having a plan or a way out or something like that. There's none here. And there's just this silent realisation that this man who has raised him and given him hope again and given him light in the world again is dead. So, you know, there's all this beautiful art again, very sombre, lifting the body, carrying him over, a little bit evocative of uh, when Jason Todd died mm. as well. Um, or even Superman, Supergirl, um, yeah. going back to Crisis. A little evocative of that. And then again, just this silent art of Bruce removing the cape, putting it over Alfred's head. Um just wonderfully wonderfully done and then there's this big moment where you know you've all these stark dark colors the whole way through it and then just in bright red and like spray paint across a picture of alfred and bruce when he was younger you are not batman um so what we learned very quickly is bruce is stuck in this room you know all the doors have been you know bricked up you know what, what i like about this as well is he goes through every stage of grief here you know there's there's the acceptance of it in the end, there's the anger, there's the anguish, there's, you know, pure rage when he's trying to, you know, break out where these, you know, walls are. But what he's realised is he has no plan for getting out of here. He, you know, he in a sense, he's been beaten um, and he's had Alfred taken away from him again. But just, I don't want to go through the whole thing because, you know, it's definitely, but there's so much heart and so much um, joy in what Alfred's last words to him are. There they are very much like you made the right decision becoming Batman, you made it for the right reasons, you're trying to help people I've never been more proud because this was a slightly different take on Alfred, you know I've always looked at Alfred a little bit as and again maybe this is just like the like of the Nolan movies and stuff but there's lots of Alfred going you know, Gotham doesn't need Batman it needs Bruce Wayne, it needs your resources it needs your knowledge, you know he's actively trying to talk him out of being Batman whereas this is the opposite, saying like this is your true calling, um I know we were bitching about adverts a little bit, but that two-page Lucio Perillo spread yeah, that one's nice. for Year of the Villain is just <laughs> absolutely beautiful. Um, but yeah, so Bruce goes through all of this. You know, it, it sort of ends with you know, you know, destroys the room again. It's that rage, um, but again, it's. Uh, I will have to read this wee tiny part out. So again, this is where we find out you know, known in seventy nine, he signaled Bruce falsely. He says, but I'm not, um, 
Where is it? And I like this as well. This is a little nod to Alfred's acting background. Uh-huh. Uh, I've just signaled to you that I have rum, that I am safe, that you might execute your plan. You believe me. I am, if not much else, a talented actor. <laughs> and soon you will come. But I am not safe. I unfortunately could not find a way to run. I expect now that Thomas will kill me. And so you must ask, why the lie? The answer is, as you might suspect, I am again putting my ideal above my current need. I chose not to be an instrument of your downfall, but to be a cause of your salvation. I will die here. I will choose to die here. There is such joy in you, Master Bruce. I know who you can become. I have seen it. And then there's a lot more of that really good stuff. And again, there's links back to the very first issue, which again just shows the long-term planning. You know, you asked me once as you fell from the sky, so this isn't Batman issue one, where mm-hmm. Batman's on top yeah. of a plane trying to put it into Gotham Harbor. Uh, you asked me once as you fell from the sky, would this be a good death? Would your parents be proud? At the time I gave you the answer you needed, as I did today, I lied. But now I please forgive a man at his end a touch of truth. There are no good deaths, not for parents, not for children, but there are good lives, and you, my son, are living one. I'm actually getting choked up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was just such an elegant finish to Alfred's story within this. Um, I felt there was a there was a class moment here uh, that links back to the speech. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, "I'd not be there, but there's a day coming when you shall smile again." Uh, and uh, as we uh, as we we move towards the last the last couple of pages, yeah, uh, and Bruce is conf- confronted with his alternative universe father, yeah, who wants who 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 claims to be the real Batman. He wants to be Batman. Why are you not going to give up this Batman obsession? He goes, I have everything, I have your family, your city, your woman, is that enough? Will you finally stop? You know, and uh, there's that, just in that, on that last page. Yeah, uh, a hint of a smile. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's, uh, he says it's it's never done. Um, you know, yesterday becomes today, as quickly as today becomes tomorrow, this will never stop. And he smiles, and neither will I. One more time, Father, for Alfred. Well, that's it. It's almost like that call to arms at the end. You know, it's interesting as well. You know, Thomas has rounded up the entire Bat family here. They're obviously under Psycho Pirates control. You know, they're almost like leading the gauntlet of leading him into the room. You know, you see Red Robin there. You see Batgirl. You see The Signal. You see Batwoman. You know, you see Orphan. You see Cassandra Cain. You see Damien, who's left to last, of (laughs) course. You also see Duke. Um, (laughs) I said Duke, I said the signal. Did you? <laughs> I said the signal. Um, and it's actually Catwoman who's leading him in. But as you say, that's just a lovely moment where he's like, you heard, you killed him. Is that enough? Will you, f-? you know, in a weird, twisted kind of way, this alternate universe Batman of Thomas Wayne is trying to save his son. He's like, look, stop with all this pain and misery. I you need to stop being Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do this all, so go and be it's happy. very much been that theme of you can't be Batman and happy. Whereas yeah. with this issue, Alfred's speech and his letter love letter to Bruce and the Batman as his son it's very much you can be you yeah. can be Batman you can be good and you can be happy mm-hmm. go do it I just that smile that smile at the end the the, the, the challenge of violence that's associated with it mm-hmm. uh, I am just really interested to see what happens now you know uh, it'll probably be the after King's run but yeah. you know who does who does Bruce Wayne become now that well, now yeah. that he's Batman and he has no Alfred, yeah, That's you know, does he does he does he rededicate himself to his mission without the humanity that Alfred brings to it? Yeah, or does he stop being Batman? Tinian has addressed that. He's released a new newsletter actually about it. Oh. I'm not going to go into it because it's spoilery. He talks about how his run is going to show this. It's he's not going to just 
ignore that all this happened. Mm-hmm. This continuation is going to show how Bruce copes, how Batman copes, how Gotham reacts to a Bruce Wayne who's lost Alfred. Mm-hmm. and a well, Batman who's lost his well it's nice that morals. that's stuff that obviously Keane set up you know I'm sure he's had loads of discussions with yeah. you know Tinian and you know wish them luck for taking over and stuff but <laughs> said, don't, don't fuck it up don't I won't kill you <laughs> please get to issue 100 um, do what I couldn't um, but yeah I mean it is nice that he is going to continue that because mm-hmm. that's the thing I think you need as Keane says you need to feel the ramifications it's like this is big you know, like Alfred was killed in White Knight, but that's alternate universe. Yeah, that's this is the first time probably in main canon. And I mean, we, he's been killed, we, you know? we know as yeah, comic fans, point, we know yeah. he's going to come back. back but, but our job now is to convince ourselves that this is forever. Yeah. And and react to it and emote. And this issue, it kind of does. Yeah, know, this is going to be quite a long term thing. Yeah. Until you know, the next crisis. Or I mean, we do that Earth. as comic fans. We yeah. know. We know the same. someone's coming. You know, yeah. but but we enjoy the story as if it's the first thing yeah. we've read. Yeah, we enjoy the ride with it. And uh, yeah, it sort of ends as you say with that um, that face-off. But you know, it's saying next the secret history of Thomas Wayne. So we might now yes. link back to the button and link back to how yeah, Thomas came yeah. into yeah, this universe. Yeah, because there was a while ago, Tom King posted up on Instagram showing he was doing a little bit of research into the button issues again. And I mean, that's so. where we'll see. I mean, not. I mean, I, I still, I still think that very much because of the delays in Doomsday Clock, DC has moved beyond whatever the the plan was yeah, for Doomsday Clock and therefore adjusted. you know the button and all that sort of stuff maybe isn't as relevant as it was so it'll be interesting to see yeah. them bringing that back yeah. around you know uh, two more issues I'm just I'm glad to see it finish on a high I think there, there was the odd bits and pieces where it was stuttering slightly Nightmares put a lot um, of people off Nightmares I really enjoyed and I think mm-hmm. in hindsight Nightmares will be one that people go back to and really delve deep into but City of Bane for example um, I actually don't think it should be called City of Bane. I think it should be called City of Wayne, personally, and it should be Thomas Wayne. Because, yeah, but I mean, because Bane, and would have been sense, spoilery. Like mm-hmm. ever, ever since you're talking with obviously with the acetate covers, there was the great one for Batman, yes. where you've got this big powerful Bane on the front, explosions behind him, and then you turn it over, and Thomas Wayne has him in a marionette. Yeah, but, been, but as I think as Killer was about to say that the the fact that uh, Thomas Wayne was the for the longest time it looked like Thomas Wayne was in the service of Bane yeah. and it wasn't until two or three issues ago that we realised that it was actually the other way around yeah. so even though as much it, as we know Batman that, is always yeah. in charge we put Batman second in command well it's just great as well because we've got consistency of artists for the last few I mean I've been a fan of all the City of Bane artists I know you have your issues with John Romita Jr and that's fine I would say he sticks out like a sore thumb in this arc in that his mm-hmm. style is very different to, to like I can see Tony Daniel, Clayman, and Mikael Yannon's art meshing together for mm-hmm. a coherent yep. story. Ramita's is very different. Yeah. Um, and I'm a fan of Ramita, but I just think it stands out a little it's very, bit. It's very contrasting. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming off Clayman's issues. But yeah. I am I am both excited to see how this run wraps up and, you know, very uh, sad that it is coming to an end. It's funny that you made that comparison about Jason Arnott at the start, mm-hmm. because in the same way as, you know, we're talking about uh, Tom King segueing to James Tinian. We're talking about Jason Aaron segueing forward to Donny Cates. Yeah. I'm wondering how much. I mean, and Donny Cates has sort of said he's picking up after this classic yeah. legendary well, run, it. and he can't just ignore it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I so. remember your one fear was uh, seeing that cover, and suddenly Thor had two arms again. Yeah. Two, like, two arms and two eyes. What's <laughs> going on? Was, Are we he, disregarding everything? The first things you saw addressed on Twitter by yeah. him. He said, "Don't worry, don't worry. I have a plan for this." Yeah. Uh, yeah. The preview page has then showed him. But uh, no, I think there are. It's it's interesting, obviously. 
with Keith and I, obviously his his interest is more with Marvel minds with DC. We like both, but you know we do have our preferences. But there's so many mirrors now that I'm starting to see it, having started yeah, Jason yeah, Aaron's yeah. run. There's so many mirrors between the two. Um, so I'm really going to enjoy that run, which I've tucked into. But yeah, I'm just mm-hmm. glad this is ending strong. So yeah, uh, yep, two to go. Makes I sense. definitely recommend after eighty five comes out and after you've cried yourself to sleep over whatever happens on it, <laughs> go and retroactively read that the blo- the blog or newsletter that Tinian has started because uh-huh. I, I did read it. He doesn't spoil anything, but he t- he does talk about how his Batman's going to work, and it made me excited for his run. I was a little bit conflicted on keeping it on when he took over. I thought could be a jumping off point it could be something I switched to trades for Batman and then he went and released that and I subscribed to the newsletter and <laughs> now I'm still stuck on single issues <laughs> but it, definitely it does feel like the torch is being, pa- is being passed yeah. to a worthy successor mm. who knew that Chip Zdarsky was such a trailblazer with newsletters eh <laughs> <laughs> he addresses that as well he says I'm not the funniest guy I'm not Chip I'm not these guys but I like to write them weird is that yeah. the end of our the end of our picks? That is the end of the, of the, the, the big picks of the week. Obviously there were tons more comics that came out. Um you know, we like to throw a few honourable mentions, not go into obviously as much detail as those. Um I think it's worth looking certainly at Marvel. We had I actually made this joke to quite a few people because a lot of people were picking up the last of one event, but the first of their next mm, event. Yeah. <laughs> so we had absolute carnage come to an end. Yeah, and it ended strong. I it ended strong. Um, I was very impressed with with how it finished. Yeah. And the the uh, story tales that it left hanging yes. uh, to be picked up. Uh, yeah, very very good. That that was great. Great art, five issue. Art by, was stunning. Oh yeah, fantastic. And carnage is just. Ugh, it's it's he's just awfully he's horrible. Like, it's it's hor- he's horrible. Yeah, and Cletus Cassidy is horrible. Even whenever the flashback to he's still alive. And, uh, there's one particular panel towards the end where it shows the half living, half dead face of Cassidy, and it, it's just disgusting. And it's it's that he put you know he puts Venom, uh, Eddie and Ariel. Eddie's now wearing a symbol that is com- that is composed of the. The codexes that were collected by the Maker's machine, mm. rather than the Venom symbiote, as such, uh, because the machine wasn't destroying them. Yes, it was it just was collecting them. Collecting yeah, them. and now of course we're in a position where the whole way through Absolute Carnage, Carnage has been collecting the codexes. So all he has to do now is absorb Venom and or absorb Eddie's yeah. symbiote, and yeah. he's got everything. He's got enough to bring back Null, the god of the symbiotes, which has been his whole thing. But uh, yeah, some really, some really great, great, brutal, brutal scenes. You know. Uh, we're discovering that there's a mystery to Eddie's son, who thinks he is his brother. Um, uh, we're so we're discovering there's a mystery there, and, and exactly what's going on, and, and that he has some sort of that Dylan has some sort of destiny or some sort of abilities. And I mean, we're seeing we're seeing the full horror of of the corpse, Cletus corpse Carnage, yeah, uh, and all of that sort of stuff. So it's that's uh, really. So really, there's a wee nod there to. I, I felt there was a wee nod there to the all black, the sword, the necro yeah. sword, um, all of that stuff. It's it, it was very very good, but it does not. It ends. It ends, but it does not necessarily end well. And it it heads forward to the relationship between Spider Man and and Venom, or Spider Man and Eddie. You know, Eddie's like, yeah, we're good, Pete. <laughs> you know, thanks for thanks for everything. I owe you seriously. And he goes, hey, what. Well, what are whatever we are to each other for, right? <laughs> you know, so uh, all the artwork on the the planet where Null's being held down as well is just 
yeah. stunning. And there's that, stunning. there's that, there's that fantastic, you know. And we, so the the revelation that <laughs> we've we've always known that we as a reader have known that yeah. Dylan is Eddie's son, whereas Eddie has been saying he's his brother, you know. And they're sitting there at the end, you know. Dylan's a wee bit shell shocked and wide eyed, <laughs> and he's like, uh, "Did did did you say I was your son?" And then we do that thing they've been doing in all the great books. Absolute carnage, yeah. double page spread. <laughs> so it really was brilliant. I'm brilliant. curious to see where it's going from here, though, because obviously you think Venom Twenty, which is out this week, will wrap a few of these threads up as well. Mm-hmm. But we know Venom is jumping on the Venom Island yeah. on Twenty One, we'll and it's Mark Bay. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. But very, very solid series, yeah, big seller for the store. I came onto that having not read any of the Venom stuff and yeah. knowing very little about it and I loved all five I think issues. you picked up issue one I know you've been doing it recently a couple of things where you'll pick up an issue one and then if it's if it's pretty decent you'll pick up the trade down the line I this remember is something getting, I can't wait for yeah, the amount of messages I sent I bounced between I'll take issue one I'll take them all I'll take issue one I read issue one no, I'm taking them all that's yeah. the final word and again I mean this this model of of, uh, of events where the, the tie-ins just add value rather than mm-hmm. are necessary yeah. for well, that's yeah. it. I'd say Absolute Carnage, I think, was 28 issues in total for everything. Mm-hmm. I'd probably all the tie-ins. Across everything. Series, yeah. I'd probably read 11 of them, maybe. 10 yeah, and 11, yeah. and I was yeah, happy with that. I think I had yeah. one. Yep, a couple of one-shots. The Symbi- the Symbi- Mortal Hulk yeah. one-shots, and uh, what else did I read? I'm trying to actually think. So it was mostly the one-shots that I jumped did into. Ah, uh, Weapon Plus. Did you read the Deadpool one? Did I read the Deadpool one? No, I did not. This is not your first time here. <laughs> well, just speaking of that, before we jump into the other event, I should say that, you know, I know I give Keith grief for his feelings towards Deadpool. Deadpool number one came out last week, a brand new mm. one, Kelly Thompson on writing. I always finish an issue. I get halfway through and went, nope, closed it, Ooh. went, I'm done. Nothing it's you. just not for me. Yeah. Um, but the other event, of course, as I say, with uh, Absolute Carnage finishing is 2099 is really kicking off. Yeah, I mean, I guess to me they're both Spider-Man events or Spider-Man related events because yeah. 2099, the original 2099 kicked off with Spider-Man 2099. So and if Comic Book Resources poll have told us anything, so Spider-Man's it pretty is popular. Spider-Man is, <laughs> well, yeah. Hard pressed to find someone that would argue that. Uh, 2099, what do we have out this week? We so have 2099 Alpha, Alpha and Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Four, the first one-shot 2099 and Amazing Spider-Man 34. Yeah, Amazing Spider-Man 34. I think they read 34 and then into Alpha. 34 yeah. Alpha, and then Fantastic you can, Four. You can probably read any of the one shots in any order and then we'll finish I think uh, 35 Amazing 35 is in there and it finishes with Omega something like that so so yeah I mean uh, the the story starts with uh, the again we're looking at this uh, in 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 our our current 2019 era we're looking at Peter working alongside one of his classmates with this clairvoyant piece Mm -hmm. of equipment that can apparently predict you know possibilities based on looking at all the Mar- Marion multiverses, but he can't really get it to do anything. We've got Spider Man twenty ninety nine, uh, for many years in the future, in, in the future, uh, coming back. Miguel O'Hara coming back to try and find our Spider Man Peter for a thing, and he can't remember. Time travel has switched cheated his brain in a very quantum leap sort of way, uh, and he something has happened. His reality is breaking down. Uh, he's getting he's starting to disappear from from our timeline and uh, and and. In in 2019, Doom has just been has just been assassinated uh, by a hitman, and the most significant part of the Spider-Man issue was the fairly shocking uh, revelation that 
And it's the first time it's been said that 2099 is Earth 616. 2099 oh. is the definitive future of the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. The 616 world. So I, that, thought it was, I thought it was. Yeah, and that's the problem is that it's a... What does he say? It's like a, it's not a dwell point or it's a... I can't remember the word they use, uh, but it's it's a set point in Fixed time yeah. and something is wrong with it. And if something's wrong with it, something's very badly wrong. Um, so, yeah, great action-packed issue. Uh, straight into uh, 2099 Alpha, which was written by Nick Spencer, pencils by Victor... Bogdanovich, um, and it's a beautiful looking book. Um, and I should say, sorry, Amazing Spider-Man is Spencer and Patrick Gleason, mm-hmm. also a beautiful looking book. But um, we see various aspects of the world of 2099 um, and various various parts of that world. Uh, Alchemix, which has always been part of the Spider-Man 2099 origin, is there, and Miguel Ahara's there, and Ahara's there, and Tyler Stone's there. Um, we see I guess parts of Punisher 2099, parts of Ghost Rider 2099, um, uh, there's parts of Fantastic Fantastic Four 2099 in there, so it was a wee bit of a, it's hard to understand really what's going on just yet. Yeah, um, that's that's the way I felt about it, there was a lot of setup in it, but yeah. and then you didn't really get any answers definitively yeah. in Fantastic Four or anything, mm. but it was, I was, I was really interested by it. Um, they, they're, they're changing things, um, and that's sort of worrying me a wee bit. I mm-hmm. love the original Spider-Man 2099 by Peter David, uh, released in 1992, was it? But different? It is different. I think it is different. Miguel's there and, uh, and Tyler Stone's there, but in the original Spider-Man 2099, Miguel O'Hara was a uh, top-level geneticist in Alchemax, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, a big corporation. So the Age of Heroes is long past. Um, you know what they, what they refer to as our time as the age of heroes is long past there are no heroes anymore corporations have risen to take over the world and rule the world Alchemax is one of those corporations read, led by Tyler Stone uh, Miguel O'Hara is their top geneticist he uh, threatens to out Tyler he's quite an arrogant guy threatens to out Tyler for a thing he's doing Tyler addicts uh, surreptitiously addicts Miguel to this drug that bonds to him at a genetic level means that Tyler will always have to feed him this drug is the only source of the drug meaning that Miguel will keep his mouth shut yeah uh, Miguel as a supreme geneticist he goes you know what I could do I've created this gene splicing machine I can step into the gene splicing machine a la the fly uh, the Jeff Goldblum mm-hmm. earlier versions <laughs> maybe I step into this gene splicing machine and I will re-implant my own clean genetic code onto myself therefore relieving myself of the drug addiction uh, but what he does uh, there's a there's a, a jealous scientist and he flicks the genetic template to that of a spider so Miguel accidentally imprints a spider's genetic code onto his own develops the powers and becomes Spider-Man 2099 um, this doesn't seem to be that we see this flashback of this like giant spider creature like yeah uh, mm-hmm. like vomiting into Michael's Miguel O'Hara's <laughs> mouth or something so I don't know what's going on with that um there's, there's a whole lot of wee things. Uh, there's a character in this called Venture who uh, in the original 2099 universe is male and this she's female. Um, so there's a whole lot of wee things going on that are just... That, so I think they're, they're retconning or rebooting 2099 and it seems like Doom may be behind it. Maybe behind this change of... The, 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 the world changing, the world of 2099 changing and therefore destabilizing. And to do that he's using the Watcher uh, yeah, he's got him UA2, in prison. He's got him in prison. Yeah. That was some pretty dark cool. stuff. Yeah, I thought he's, he's, uh, yeah, some pretty, yeah. I thought that was some pretty cool, dark 
scary imagery. Yeah, actually. yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if this if this Doom twenty ninety nine is Victor Von Doom or because in in twenty ninety nine Doom twenty ninety nine was our Victor Von Doom. He had ported himself into the future mm-hmm. uh, to rule the future. Um, so I don't know if it's because there's something else going on there. Uh, the Doom twenty ninety nine book. I don't know. So there's a lot of setup as you say, Roddy. Um, I'm not just sure. I'm not just sure what's what's going on yet. But yeah, yeah. there was echoes as well of. Secret Wars, Hickman's Secret Wars, mm-hmm. the idea of Doom, like changing a universe, uh, was there as well. So I don't know. And then you really enjoyed Fantastic Four, yeah. Again, it was nice to go into a book, sort of knowing nothing about this team that was being put together. But I just liked the whole idea of it. Was that uh, you'll, you'll of course fill me in on names, but this little robot was essentially saying, "We need to get these four together. We need to get these four together. They need to save us." And it really was like they were pulled from so many different directions. There was nice moments of characters, you know, um, getting to know each other and connecting. I thought the one especially um, who was wrapped up in the street that looked homeless and was like, no, everybody says I'm a monster. No one can hear me. There's this lovely moment of connection between two characters. Mm. Oh, I think you're beautiful and all this kind of stuff. And it it was all very heroic and all coming together. And then... I don't know where the, a twist. <laughs> the last six pages just were like, what am I reading? Yeah. Um, where the robot basically went, no, you're not, none of you are good enough, kills them all and goes, oh well, I have to start all over again. Yeah, it turns out Herbie is a psychopath. Yeah, yeah. it was nuts because yeah. Herbie, for lack of a better term, was a ridiculously cute character who um, was just yeah. wanting to get these people together and uh, then, uh, yeah, it just caught me off guard. I just, I really enjoyed it. Herbie's an interesting character. Herbie was, I think, originally created for the 1960s Fantastic Four cartoon series mm-hmm. because they didn't want to have a man on fire, i.e. the human torch. Yeah, Herbie was the last violent Yeah, so, they, so they replaced Johnny Storm with Herbie the robot. Um, and then he appeared actually fairly recently in Fantastic Four, the yeah. comic book, where... Mm-hmm. Ben refused to get on the rocket. Remember, they were launching the Marvel. Yes. Oh, yeah, ben yeah, refused yeah. to get on the rocket, so they had Herbie <laughs> in the seat, and he Ben's like, you let you're, that "You're not putting Herbie in my, you know, <laughs> you know." So, yeah, so that's her. But unless it turns out yeah. Herbie's maybe been around eighty years too long. <laughs> yeah, just that that issue just again just caught me completely off guard. I love the sort of whole idea in the future of like this big long highway where you can create as much Transverse City or Traverse City was it? Yeah you can basically commit as much crime as you want just never stop There's no laws just don't yeah. stop and yeah. that, that is where they're spawning Ghost Rider Ghost 2099 Rider. from by the yeah. looks of it Yeah so Very strong opening I thought, again some of you guys found Alpha a wee bit bitty but it was yeah. all set up yeah. but the one show I really enjoyed and there's some good ones out this week so. We've got the wild card if what is Conan 2099 going to be? Yeah, is, yeah. It, is it still our Conan? Is it still Conan yeah. from yeah Conan gets everywhere at the moment I mean he's he right knows. in front of yeah. you right now <laughs> uh, this one for me I had a couple that were very very close to being being my pick yeah um, this one for me as well Roddy this one oh, just blew me away absolutely blew me away and it's our, our our good pal Jason Aaron again and the way you talk about this Thor run or his Thor run I think this Conan run you know give it time it's only 11 issues at the yeah, moment yeah and I wonder now I wonder is next issue Jason Aaron's last issue on this I think that they're going to change teams after 12 I just have a, have a notion and I, I, maybe it's more than a notion maybe I, I noticed it in the previous could be but. well isn't it um, the life and death of Conan so mm-hmm. probably will be a 12 issue arc um, and th- in this one he gets to he gets to meet his maker basically <laughs> he <laughs> gets to meet Krom, Krom who's 
a freaking mountain god. Mm. So it's just unreal and probably ties in to a lot of parallels of Thor with the gods. It's a stunning a lot of cover. other stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, 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 the crux of it is that, that Conan in the last issue was killed. Yep. Wasn't that it? In like uh, hilarious fashion by yeah, like two kids. Two kids who was bled out, yeah. And uh, we see him here in Samaria, the village in which he was born as a child. For three yeah. pages. Yeah, <laughs> and then he um, he sort of realized he's like the parents keep telling him what to do and he's like, Oh, we have to do we have to do it for the mountain, you know? And he's like, Well, I'll have to go figure that out. <laughs> so, <laughs> have to go have a word with him. Um Shout out to uh, Mahmoud Azrar's amazing oh, art. Yeah, uh, yeah, Matthew yeah, Wilson's yeah. colors too. Um, Isad Ribic's done. I think he's done all the covers for this. That cover is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, he has, yeah. Really stunning. Um, but the, I mean, the the story has has Conan moving towards the mountain and climbing the mountain, and every so often there's a like there's an avalanche or a rockfall, and then Conan gets back up again, and whenever he gets back up, he's he's an older version of himself, and then he faces off against this saber-toothed tiger and it it uh, takes him down to the bottom of the mountain again and takes a sweet time devouring his innards but he, he could rise again and he did and there were storms and there were swarms of beasts and there were majestic monsters and all of them killed him and every time he rises he gets a wee bit older mm-hmm. um, stunning stuff it really, yeah. it really um, for me just really captured Conan as a character and really there's a lot of narration Quite probably quite similar to um, what you mentioned about the Tom King Batman stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It had Alfred's great narration about Batman as a character. Only this time, Conan is um, obviously picks up on how stubborn he is. And this but- is this is this is literally this issue is you know the unstoppable force meets the immovable object. Yeah. You know, and this yeah. not only does it characterize Conan, but it characterizes Crom. Crom, yeah. Crom has always mm-hmm. been. Uh, characterized as a god that does not care mm-hmm. you know nobody prays to Crom because there's no point because Crom doesn't listen and <laughs> you know if you need anything Crom doesn't care you know and what you know what you're like and that's what makes Sumerians that's what makes Conan Conan he doesn't depend on his god because his god doesn't give a crap <laughs> he just you know? fucking does not like and this yeah. is this is literally Conan face to face with Crom yeah. <laughs> you know so it's and yeah, it's it's a really good, uh, really good story, you know. So I'm not familiar with any Conan stuff beyond I think I might have seen the Arnie stuff when I was younger. Um, but is Conan just a really strong guy, or does Conan he is the barbarian? He so. is the stereotypical, archetypical barbarian. Because I know there is some little bit. There is magic, and obviously there's gods. Mm. Stuff like that. It's very but low magic. It's, it's low magic. Yeah, very low magic. Um, it's it's about Conan's strong arm and his wit and his wiles. And his, okay. yeah, uh-huh, and his, uh, so yeah, it's it's great, and it sort of ends, I guess, with uh, Conan beseeching, but not in a "Will you please do this?" sort of crumb. He's like, "I will have you if you do not do this." <laughs> like, you, know. <laughs> um, you know, it's just the and, brashness of him. Yeah, and it's that, questioning but it's, God, like. it's you know because Conan needs to get back because uh, Rezezel, the, the blood god, needs to be stopped. You know. And Conan will not stop fighting. He will never stop fighting in the name of Crom. Ironically, because he's fighting Crom, you know. Um, so, and eventually, Crom sort of kind of notices him and respects him and goes, yeah. "All right, okay, well, screw you then. I'll curse you to this. I'll send you back." You know. He goes, but you know, the day will come 
that uh, you will see your glory dim with fading eyes. You'll become a pale shadow of yourself, lost and forgotten. And that day will come whenever you wish, with all your heart, that you had stayed here, that you had stayed dead. And on that day, you will know that I will be watching and that Crom will smile. <laughs> <laughs> so, there you go. Um, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, great, and the, the last the last page. So the the the, the god, the, the blood god, the bloody lord Razazel has been risen, and the the whole point of this is throughout the these um what do you call them the, the twins, the kids? Oh they're, yeah, they're, they're like we yeah. demons themselves, we blood demons, and they've been looking for the blood of a warrior, and all of Conan's life, the more he inflicts death, and the more he avoids death himself, the more his blood becomes filled with death magic, and that's what they need. In order to raise Rezazel, so the killing of Conan has allowed them to raise Rezazel. But then Conan has besieged Crom, and they're like, you know, as he comes back, they're like, I feel it, sister. By all the gods, do I feel it? Ha! Now begins the great red age of Rezazel, and then you see Conan's reaching hand, <laughs> and him with the two sacrificial knives still stuck on him, going like hell, it does. <laughs> Just fantastic stuff. I'm really sorry to jump in and burst your bubble here, Roddy. Issue 13 will be Jim's up taking over. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, that's that's so it looks like it's going to be a. It looks like in another fit of Aaron and King going side by side, Mr. Miracle 12 issues, Conan 12 issues. <laughs> the parallels just so keep on coming. So he can get back to Southern Bastards then. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. Yeah, so uh, issue 13 is going to be uh, Interesting. in February, and it's Jim Zub taking over with Roge Antonio as an artist. Um, well, who is also the artist for Conan 2099, so that'll give you a little bit wow. of insight. Okay. Okay. Maybe. See how it goes now. Miss that, that, that team has been a dream team, Jason Ireland and Mahmoud Azrar. So yeah. we'll, see hopefully that, we'll see how that goes. Mr. Rubik keeps yeah. on doing the covers. Yes. For sure. Yeah, see for Conan sure. being a. Uh, Deluxe hardcover 12 issue graphic novel mm-hmm. purchase for myself mm-hmm. for sure because I sure. know how much you talk about it. So, uh, any other Marvel bits and bobs worth a wee shout out? Uh, let me see. For me, uh, Immortal Hulk number 27 was a goodie. Uh, Al Ewing and uh, Joe Bennett, um, uh, the continuing story. Two issues past the, uh, the really, really trippy. <laughs> the one I'm still <laughs> trying to figure yeah, out. 25, but it's a great issue. Um, we've got. Uh, again, this this battle between um, Roxon and the Hulk, and you know all of this. It's and it's a three part story. It's got three. This particular issue has got three streams in it. We've got um, oh, what do you call him? What do you call the head of Roxon? Uh, he's the Minotaur. Uh, something I Adger Darius Adger. Uh, so he's now he, he takes the amount of names that must rattle around your brain. <laughs> I'm glad you got to that because I was never going to call. Uh, <laughs> So we're looking at that. We've got the one storyline where Darius Adger, who is the Minotaur, he was a big part of uh, the War of the Realms, um, and he he betrayed the Earth to the Elves, to the Dark Elves, and the you know. And then we've got uh, Shadow Base Site G, which is currently Banners and the, and the Hulk family's uh, Hulk family. That's really not a good way to describe what's going on. <laughs> um, you know, and their 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 Banner is waiting to translocate to a, a site. And then we see the Rocks and West Data Center in Oregon, and uh, the Rocks and Berserker units. They're they're Hulk like. They're they've they've uh, during the War of the Realms they bleed they bathed in, in dragon blood, and they can they can effectively Hulk out, you know. And they're supposed to be have the power of gods. But uh, Darius Adger is is uh, the Minotaur is is talking to this Eid about how business is all about risk and da 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 and so forth and so on. And uh, he he 
he makes some some really interesting points about uh, climate change uh, that really sort of mirrors Trump in a way. Um, he says, when I became CEO, Roxon was stepping up the renewable energy program. I took us in the opposite direction. Not that I don't believe the science, so it's not Trump in another way. Um, <laughs> extreme weather, crop failure, wildfires, climate change will destabilize society as we know it. The question is, what do we have to offer? You know, and uh, meanwhile, Bruce is hulking out and uh, they're worried about sending Bruce to this site, you know, whatever. It's just, it's, it's an hour, 10 minutes before sunup. At the minute, the Hulk's changes are dictated by sunup and sundown as they were at the very, very start of the Hulk. Um, so uh, yeah, we've got uh, you know uh, these 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 monsters at that rocks in the Berserker unit. They're hulking out and beating the crap out of each other as as Hulk ports in. And uh, again, this 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 three tier story now starts to come together. Um, uh, Darius, you know, they say the Minotauri is talking about his, his his business targets and his business accolades. Meanwhile, Hulk, Hulk has ported into this uh, this Roxon West uh, data site, and he's just he starts tearing these boys apart. You know, <laughs> they think they think any one of us is a match for the Hulk, and Hulk's like, you gotta be kidding, <laughs> you know. And this is this is the the Devil Hulk that we've talked about before. That's been part of this. So uh, yeah, some really some really great stuff. Um, some really great stuff here, and then Darius Adger gets the gets the word that one of our data centers is, is under attack, uh, and he's like, uh, "What did what did you say?" And then he talks, you know, it's uh, it's it's really good, you know. He says, "I spoke earlier about creating the narrative, the importance of controlling public consciousness." As some of you know, Rocks and West, which is the site that Hulk is currently attacking. Uh, is the beating heart of that strategy. It's the server farm that keeps your rocks, I guess that's YouTube, uh, running rocks face, I guess that's Facebook, uh, <laughs> Yambler, I guess that's <laughs> Tumblr or Twitter, the forums, Roxon's entire social media reach and our window into the soul of mankind. And meanwhile, mm. Hulk, is, Hulk is here and uh, he's like, Roxon West processes trillions of terabytes per second, a gold mine of personal data, priceless but given to us for free. Rocks and West also runs the algorithms that process that data uh, that allows us to tailor information to each user to create loyalty, to foster empathy. So this is the real, the Facebook stuff and the, you know, the that whole thing. I didn't realize it was so uh, in yeah. touch with yeah, the, it is the kind of world. This, this yeah. one certainly is, you know, and, uh, and he says, you know, uh, there's, uh, I've placed four Berserker units on guard, elite Hulk level troops trained to attack and destroy without hesitation. If they aren't enough, then Bruce Banner will have achieved something previously thought impossible. And in the, in the, the, the panel, we see Bruce taking apart the last Berserker unit. <laughs> he will have hurt the Roxon Corporation. And, uh, you know, next thing, there's a phone call comes in. The servers are down, sir. All of them, the backups save what they could, but, well, the system isn't designed for. No, and neither are we. Not yet. Meeting adjourned. <laughs> so, real, real good stuff. And, uh, and we see, actually, that... Banner and Hulk are starting to work together. Uh, as the sun comes up, Banner says, "Actually, I think I'll watch it." And, she, and uh, his his backup um, back in the shadow base says, "I thought the sunlight." And Hulk says, "Yeah, but the day in my time." But Banner shoot me. I could I could fight that. We can fight that. We can work together, McGowan. And we see the Devil Hulk standing in full sunlight. <laughs> so it's that's good stuff. It's good stuff. There's we uh, we dedication here. Uh, it's a, a Thor. A little baby Thor with wings, a wee angel, says this is just dedicated to the memory of Joe's son, Eric Bennett, who left this world all too soon. 
So that's kind of yeah, that's kind of sad. So Joe Bennett is the is the penciler on the, the third book. So it appears sadly um, he's he's lost his son. So uh, I'm very sorry to hear that. Yeah, me yeah. too. That's right. Um, but yeah, great. Uh, great continues to be a top top book. Yeah, I mean, you just kind of hope that Al Ewing stays in that. Obviously, he's going to take over Guardians soon. Yes, and he's on Valkyrie along with Jason Aaron. But uh, I get the feeling Moral Hulk is his. I don't want to speak for him, but it's probably one of his proudest achievements, given how much it's landed with people oh, critically, yeah, yeah. commercially, everything. Reimagined one of Marvel's like OGs. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, uh, just one or two final little things to throw in Marvel wise. Um, I'll not go into any detail, but I thought Keen Thor was very good again. Nice to read in parallel with Jason Aaron's uh, run. Uh, you're in an interesting position there because you're reading the start of Jason Aaron's run, yeah, which I read some years ago, yeah. and you're reading the end of it. <laughs> well, which... I even put up a little tweet. I was comparing the cover of this where Thor is sort of facing off against the God Butcher, and I put it beside the uh, the omnibus I was reading of their first meeting, mm. and the artwork is so... Even the way they're framed is so similar and it didn't it didn't I was kind of hiding that cover earlier on because I hadn't realised you were like, reading that at the minute because yeah. uh, the on the front of the King Thor cover it says the return of the God Butcher and I thought oh god Alan's reading I kind of knew it was about it so. but uh, yeah no that's that's always appreciated but one I just want to throw out a bit of love for because when this hits trade I think I'll push this in the store quite a bit that's just a ridiculously fun time like sometimes with comics you want to read these things with pathos and, you know and you want to you know, go down these long-winded stories, and you know, marvel at how you know much they all tie together. Sometimes you just want a good, fun time, and this Punisher Kill Crew, written by Jerry Dugan and art by Juan Ferreira, uh, Punisher Kill Crew basically spun out of War of the Realms. Very simple setup. It was Frank Castle is on a mission of vengeance to go after the Frost Giants who invaded and who killed um, uh, people in his neighborhood. He wants to get vengeance for them. So, if you want to see a ragtag team put together. It's him with Foggy Nelson, Juggernaut, the Black Knight, and they have Thor's goat tooth grinder to pull him across the cosmos. <laughs> right? So uh, was Foggy there just in case they get into legal trouble? So Foggy ended up getting picked up <laughs> along the way, but just to give you some ideas. So at the issue he starts off with, they've all been captured apart from Foggy, and Foggy's run away. So Foggy's on the back of Tooth Grinder, who's pulling Frank Castle's van through the cosmos, and Foggy's like, you know, oh, I can't leave them. I have to go back. And then uh, they're all about to be sentenced to their death. And then here's Foggy going through the cosmos with Tooth Grinder pushing an asteroid towards this um, villain's lair. As he shouts, I'd like to file a motion to dismiss. <laughs> and then it's like bombs away. And then they all get free. And there's all these big, massive... Is this know, still hangover from where they're else? Yeah, this is just so much fun. Um, Juggernaut runs in, takes the Frost Giant down. Frank Castle slices it in half. You know, it's just awesome. It's just really fun. Like, after they finish with all that business, they end up coming back to New York City just as two muggers are trying to, you know, steal something in Central Park off people. And someone goes, it's the cops, because they see this shadow, but it's actually Tooth Grinder and the... Uh, yeah, the van. The van. <laughs> and they land right on top of the two muggers. Crush. And uh, Foggy goes, what an amazing superpower you have, Frank. I mean, you killed two muggers and the navigator you promised to set free. <laughs> Who's the writer on that? Uh, Jerry Dugan. Oh, all right, okay. But uh -huh. so you've got all this, and then you've got this great picture as well. This is like a photo that Frank shows to the dad of one of the... Um, so he lost his son in the War of the Realms. And he shows him a picture to show, like, we got vengeance for you. And it's, like, foggy, like, celebrating in the background with, like, a sort of cratty kid type... Uh, bandana. Yeah. Bandana around his head. 
um, as they stand in front of the severed head of the person who killed his son. The, 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 the troll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you have all this fun stuff, and then it does actually end with a little bit of a serious note where the dad, you know, is trying to kill himself. Now he's actually got a little bit of closure and his son's been avenged, but Frank's like, look, no, you have to go on, you have to fight all this kind of stuff. Um, so he actually reports him to the police and says there's a man at this address threatening to kill himself. But if you ever want to see an amazing page of art, like Juan Frez, one of my favorite artists, he did a great indie series called Colder. The last page of this whole thing is just absolutely Damn. stunning as it's Frank Castle walking down New York. It's snowing, Brooklyn Bridge in the background, and the shadow, big Punisher skull. Mm-hmm. This Classic. book is freaking awesome and oh. just so much fun is that the cool, last cool. one or is it um, yeah five issues yeah. that's the end of it. That, mm-hmm. that was great trade wise brilliant uh, so much fun and as I say in terms of putting together a random team <laughs> <laughs> it's just great uh, so yeah that's, cool. that's me all done in Marvel uh, just before we move on to the best of the three groups uh, it's one for Marvel is Loki number five it was the conclusion of the first arc it was great it was a silly silly story but it ended on a serious note um, in this first few, five issues Loki has now become the god of stories again mm-hmm. but it was revealed in this fifth issue that there's an unseen power Loki whatever Loki tells a story that story becomes true so what else would you do but spin a tale of a wild western adventure with Wolverine <laughs> and the origins of the word bub uh, but it was great it was just funny and silly and then the last four or five pages it reveals just how serious this is it wasn't just Loki lying and telling he's telling the truth whatever he says becomes the truth yeah and it really leads on for something bigger because if what Loki says now is true he could very easily wreak havoc yeah but if, and, and the people have that part yes of all people you've got to lies Loki's one of those random titles and that no one had it in their pull list when it came out and see now I, I get asked for it every week it seems to be garnered yeah. a bit of a reputation um, and building up so um, yeah so some pretty strong stuff there from Marvel um, obviously there were quite a few DC titles in the, the picks of the week there were a few more just worth mentioning quickly um, you know anyone who listens to this podcast before will know all of us have a bit of a love-hate relationship with Justice League um, well I have no relationship with it so. <laughs> but, probably the healthiest yeah. of the three but this is another run that's coming to a conclusion in terms of the creative team um, Scott Snyder's been piloting this since issue one but he's stepping off at issue since 38 before, really since Metal which yeah, no, that's, yeah that's fair and uh, No Justice and uh, Metal before that um, I've had a very well I'll, I've had a very up and down relationship with it but when he gets it right it's so right and this was one of these issues yeah um, definitely you can really feel um, you know the stakes are being raised more and more Perpetua is getting more and more powerful um, it's just one of those great issues with one of, with a great what I like to call excuse my French fuck yeah moments <laughs> just where you're reading something and something happens you're just like that's really cool uh, that's a beautiful then, image there the heroes racing out of the Hall of Justice and then Keith ruined it all by saying oh was that the Power Rangers moment you're talking about sorry <laughs> big robot uh, fighting another big robot like. but it was basically the Hall building that turned it's the into Hall a robot. of Justice it's the Hall of Justice turned that, into a channel it's Batman has a plan for everything taken to the extreme he planned for the Legion exactly. of Doom's headquarters turning into a giant robot yeah Walter turn Erzin uh, and then another one that you know was very close to being my pick of the week mm. just Batman was so strong but of course it is another Batman title although he doesn't really feature as much in this this is the um, the one issue sort of spin off from uh, Curse of the White Knight 
This is Batman White Knight Presents Fun Freeze. Uh, this is a black label title Keith can get on board with because it's regular comic sized. Yeah, baby. Um, <laughs> and before we even delve into it, well, I say delve into it, but just quickly, it was something I noticed about black label books this week that maybe was brought to attention because Kaelin had mentioned adverts getting really annoying in main level books. You flick through a black label book, not one advert. Mm-hmm. Where's Svengulli? No, it's one hour. Listen to that disappointment. <laughs> to be fair, it would have been even more noticeable given the tone of yeah. this story. Yeah. To suddenly turn the page and spend goose. So maybe they did think a little bit, but yeah. um, it was definitely nice to read it without interruption. And this is the first. This is the first White Knight world book that hasn't been drawn by Sean Murphy. Yeah, I mean, I will admit to like I think the art is stunning the whole way through. The yeah. only thing that looks a little strange to me. It's someone else trying to draw Murphy's Batman Yeah, design. Murphy's Batman very much fits with his art style. His art style. It looks a bit odd with someone yeah. else drawing it. I would say that, but um, the rest of the book is stunning. It's uh, sort of Janssen, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's sort of a take on the origins of Victor von Fries. Um, He's a very different character in the Murphyverse. Very different character. He's a, a, almost a good guy, I suppose, mm-hmm. at this point. But it goes back to tell a story of actually the night that... Thomas Wayne brought Martha. Why did you say that name? To uh, <laughs> <laughs> to Humphreys to help her deliver Bruce. Um, but while they're waiting, you know, he sort of talks with Thomas, and they go into the past. Uh, I know this is something you enjoy, Keith. Uh, I know you you're you're a fan of anything that sort of takes down Nazis. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, so it it follows. Um, Victor Fries's father and his business partner, so uh, Baron Baron von Fries and Jacob Smithstein, Jacob, yeah, and setting up their first the first laboratory uh, for the the work on cryonics, isn't it? Cryogenics, yeah. Um, uh, all against the backdrop of uh, Nazi Germany and the rise of the Third Reich, um, and of course uh, Jacob Smithstein uh, is a German Jew. Um, and uh, Baron Fries, in order to forward his career, very quickly uh, joins the SS. So that doesn't work out too well. No. Um, so it, it, it sort of goes from there, um, and that that to and fro, and the the, the relationship that that uh, the young uh, Mister Fries has with with uh, his father's partner. Uh, Jacob Smithstein and yeah he almost by the end of the book sees Jacob as more of a father, father to him yeah, and but I mean there are some nice um, there's some nice textures in here though with Baron because there are so many times he does cover for Jacob he does yeah yeah. he's he's obviously in a, in a bad position but he joined the SAS like so <laughs> but it's interesting because a couple of times like Jacob gets caught and they're about to execute him and then Baron shows up mm, he's like yeah. thank you so much gentlemen I'm so relieved you found them yeah they escaped he's not they're, just he's not just a stereotypical yeah. bad guy yeah yeah he's yeah. not brainwashed he still has there's there's morals hiding under there somewhere yeah mm-hmm. um, you know he's even saying like they're prisoners important for my experiments um, but it's sort of it's just a really great well told story I mean you could read this just as a one shot and enjoy it um, obviously there uh, are links to there are and then I mean the, the trick of it is that the, it turns out that the Smithsteen's baby Nora um, yeah. is, is the Nora that Mr. Freeze will eventually uh, and tragically marry yeah um, not, not the marriage isn't tragic is what happens to her after yeah. the tragic <laughs> I should, yeah. should be clear on that yeah. <laughs> it was weird because I, I know I was saying at the end the art is a wee bit strange looking at someone else doing Murphy stuff it wasn't even the Batman that looked weird to me now how to look at it again it was the Harley 
Harley looks really strange. Yeah, it? it looks really odd. I don't know. I think it would be a nice one just to have those last four pages of Sean Gordon Murphy's art. Well, just it's interesting so. because uh, we saw Sean Murphy was on Twitter and apparently he didn't even want these pages with Batman in it. He wanted it very. And DC insisted, you need to put Batman in this. Oh. Um, so, yeah. And he said they pay the bills. So uh, he had Fair to. Enough. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, but then there's a really lovely sort of uh, story. Uh, about it all um, about how it all came together but Murphy actually says the end I originally intended this story to be part of Batman White Knight Volume 1 but I ran out of space so think of this one shot as a deleted scene that falls between issues 6 and 7 of Curse of the White Knight something secret about Mr. Freeze so um, yeah lovely and then a wee bit of of pencils at the back just showing off the art process Um, yeah wonderful book Mm -hmm. very close to being the pick of the week but great nonetheless yeah it was very very good um one that disappointed me slightly because I've been looking forward to it. I would, disappointed is maybe a strong word, but uh, I was really looking forward to He Man and the Masters of the Multiverse. Um, it's part of that because the cover by Lee Yun Hoop is brilliant. Yeah. And it makes it look like it's going to be a really serious book. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, I was expecting something a lot darker. Uh, what 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 is clear now to me is that He Man and the Masters of the Multiverse is the He Man version of End of the Spider Verse. Yeah. Uh, the the cartoon, the animated series right where there's a Roddy lot of not so sure about that yeah there's a whole lot of different yeah. versions of, of, of He-Man um, uh, they th- there's one there's one version of, of He-Man the anti anti He-Man the anti Eternian who is effectively doing the Highlander thing and going through the multiverse absorbing killing and absorbing all the powers of all the He-Mans and taking the power swords and, in order that he can be the all powerful dude uh, so the core the protagonist of this is actually Keldor um, who is uh, the man who will become Skeletor, uh, King Randor's brother, mm-hmm. uh, Prince Adam's uncle, um, and he's a bit of a he, he kind of is he's, he's the king's brother, you know, he's the prince and he doesn't have a lot of royal responsibility. But anyway, it, 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 there's a moment in this that I would move to, uh, I would say, as akin to your undiscovered country where it takes a turn, yeah, <laughs> and you either <laughs> like it, and yeah, go yeah. With okay. It. Or you okay. don't. Mm-hmm. So on the on on this the, the, the universe of the anti attorney and the evil dark he man, um, Keldor is effectively the Prince Adam, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and and that. So I don't know what's sort of going on there, but uh, and all the masters of the universe appear to be dark evil versions of themselves. Um, uh, but yeah, the uh, the the uh, he man of um, of an old 80s He-Man Easter special appears. <laughs> a two-dimensional... Okay. I'm, I'm turning the corner after looking at it. <laughs> a, a, a two-dimensional uh, bloggy uh, version of He-Man appears. And, uh, but appears during the, the normal art scene. Yeah, exactly. And it just he's laid there, like, you know, and, uh, and he appears, you know... Yeah, I don't know. And he appears along with oh, um, Dolph Lundgren's He-Man of the movie. Right, uh, which, well, uh, as we all know, is not Masters of the Universe. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the cos- and the cosmic key, uh, and they recruit Keldor in order to go across the universe with them and try and uh, try and uh, stop the anti-Eternian He-Man. And I think by the end of the issue, we're going to be uh, popping into the uh, early '90s He-Man series <laughs> where He-Man was in space in that alternative Earth. 
Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm interested to see how it's going, but it didn't. Uh, uh, the first one was not. It was too light, too lighthearted. I think, <laughs> given that, given that I'm reading my way through a lot of He-Man at the minute with that big giant uh, brick of an omnibus that I bought, <laughs> um, and a lot of that's quite dark stuff. I was even reading Conan at the moment as well, and maybe yeah, a similar yeah, sort of yeah. thing. So, so it wasn't bad. It just it it uh, it wasn't what was you contrary thinking. to my expectations. Yeah. Um, cool, mm-hmm. yeah, so just may as well finish off with a couple of indie bits and bobs, just checking in with titles we've already, well, we talk about every single time. <laughs> um, the boom renaissance continues. Something, Something is killing the children! <laughs> <laughs> is that how you read it when you turn that double page? Yeah, I was, I was saying to the guys earlier, um, when you flip the page to the double page spread with just the words, something is killing the children, you know, the like the music dun, know, like dun, the dun. sound from Lost just appears <laughs> in my head or something like that you know fit, like fit a little vo- uh, yeah. speaker into the next yeah. issue that comes out just with Keith the proclaiming but, the title um, the boom this this it is absolutely insane the two boom titles of this quality came out on the same yeah, day absolutely. yeah absolutely uh, we're getting to know Erica Slaughter a wee bit better um she has. She is effectively and her puppet, her her, her toy, her stuffed octopus, and uh, she's effectively enlisting, not enlisting, but telling law enforcement, "You need to let me go because I know what's going on." Those scenes were you know, fantastic. Uh, yeah. You didn't get so much of the kid in this one. It was mostly all about her in this issue, um, but her trying to talk the cop out of it was just an absolutely fantastic character moment. Yeah, yeah very very good very good and uh, it just goes from bad to worse because in the background of this there's five more kids killed mm-hmm. uh, but yeah it's well I mean something is killing uh, the children something is killing the children you know so it's it's very good it starts off with the cop interrogating Erica and Erica ends up interrogating the cop yeah. you know <laughs> she takes the balance of power and, and, and uh, as Keith rightly pointed out before we started recording this one features the title in speech in the book <laughs> it which does, I thought yes. was very cool yeah it, uh, there's a moment here um, you know she's Erica says who went missing first and the cop says excuse me she says there were probably a few cases of disappearances you wrote off before there were bodies before you knew there was something, something killing, killing the, the children, children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the title we promise this book is a bit more serious than you know, oh yeah it's, oh, it's very very good it's very but good yeah page, it's very yeah. dark um Great art style as well. We're going to need weapons. Lots of weapons. <laughs> nice little <laughs> nod to the Matrix there is what I was thinking at that point. Um, so that was one boom title. And then, of course, the other one we go on and on about as well is Once in Future, uh, which went up to number four this week. Uh, Kieran Gill and Dan Mora continuing to do the Lord's work. Yes, indeed. And you had mentioned there was there was a part in this issue that jarred you a wee bit, there and was, I couldn't find it. There was one or two moments where I was reading it. I actually did wonder if a page was missing. Um, there's a part where the main character kicks in a door and the girl is just like that was incredible it's like you know, kicked the door open you know I got the feeling like he was gonna you know step up and kill a couple of bad no, guys or no, something I like think, that I think the fact that up until now she has seen him as a as a state academic who yeah. couldn't even he's a bit useless he could, yeah, yeah. he's a bit useless and yeah. couldn't even hold a conversation over dinner with her so no, it just there was something about it. It was like that was incredible. It was like she's easily impressed. You two are a good match for each other. <laughs> Maybe it was a character moment. I don't know, but 
there was one or two just little instances like that where I thought it, it jumped a little uh, bit. There was there, uh, this one had a great cliffhanger or a great uh, moment at the end of it where you kind of started questioning Bridget's uh, motivations, the, yeah. the, the, the granny's motivations. Uh, yeah, very good. It's really it's really starting to move at pace. Yeah. Uh, so it is a lot uh-huh. going on. Um, again, it's all about the story. Some uh, great art layouts and stuff you know, as well. Um, Kieran Gillen. Uh, you know and how he he talks about what is it he talks about uh, oh where was it uh, where was it oh I can't remember there's a specific oh uh, it's Bridget talking to uh, Duncan and um, Rose about Galahad says Elena's Galahad's mum uh, she'd have uh, bunked a Lancelot to get pregnant God knows where she found a Lancelot she'd uh, raised him to think like a Galahad the closer you are to a story the more you pass as one so that, I mean that's mm. again it's Kieran Gillen messing with the idea or same as he does in Die same as he did in the original series of Loki which is where Loki got the idea of being the god of stories mm. uh, you know so it's all about for him it's all about the story and the meta story um, but yeah there's uh, that scene where he kicks in the door where Duncan kicks in the door uh, <laughs> you know he, the, the, the scene that I really loved was following up that Rose was like Duncan that's amazing and Bridget's like healthy childhood running around the woods none of that video game business <laughs> <laughs> but yeah very good stuff and, uh, very good stuff Tamara Bomb Villain's colours are just oh, uh, yeah. on some yeah. other level of beauty there mm. something tells me we'll be talking about a boom title every week at the moment yeah, yeah definitely yeah um, yeah and then just with these two titles as well, we'll be recording our previews podcast soon, but I know that both first trades are on the horizon oh, yeah. for both. So that trade is already on its way onto my list. And that will because be... Uh, Polite will be out for that, mm-hmm. because yeah. it's yeah. something I'm very much looking forward to reading in trades. This was originally supposed to be six, and then yeah. it was extended, so... It was changed and ongoing within one issue. Yeah, I, yeah. It wasn't even a case of, like, it sold well, tell more stories. It was one issue came out, and they went... Nope, not ongoing. Mm-hmm. So it was something that's going to children. Oh, right. Same yeah. thing. Okay. So it's nice to see as well. I mean, we we've seen in the last couple of days, there's a lot been a lot of notices on Twitter and so forth about creators complaining about piracy and stuff like that, and series mm-hmm. are getting cut short and stuff like that. It's really encouraging to see the titles get lengthened. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope it. I hope it's not at the expense of the story. I hope mm-hmm. it's not just dragging it out unnecessarily. But it's good to see that some indie titles are doing well enough. It's like, yep, give us more of this uh, sort of thing. So. Yeah. Um, yeah so that was a pretty comprehensive look at the week of releases from the 20th of November Um, obviously we're firing this out on a Tuesday we've got new release day coming up Uh, just a few ones that I'm looking forward to certainly Uh, Basketful of Heads number 2 really enjoyed all the setup of the first one uh, Hellblazer is launching in earnest this week a new number one mm-hmm. looking forward to that one as well Cy Spurrier isn't it yep. Simon Spurrier is his yep. name who wrote the uh, the one shot which I thought was excellent Philadelphia mm-hmm. uh, number one is a wee indie title I'm looking forward to um, I mean that's just a great title <laughs> uh, X-Force number two you know given the revelations yes. on X-Force number one uh-huh. hopes are high for that uh, but the one that I'm looking forward to the most and it's one that it became a little bit of a joke in the store the way that John Wick being delayed was and the way Doomsday Clock was delayed was Batman Creature of the Night number 4 is coming out mm-hmm. uh, this is going to this is going to conclude a story that no joke started we were open about 3 months we're hitting about 2.5 years now 
It became a little bit of a joke for a while and no one really knew. There was no explanation given as to why this was delayed. It's written by Kurt Bozek and art by Jean-Paul Leon. But Jean-Paul Leon put out a tweet about uh, a month ago saying, Creature and I 4 is on the way. Sorry guys, I had a small case of cancer. Uh, which he's beat now. Um, and he's back drawing and all the rest. But it was... Um, you know, it was interesting to see that you know they obviously respected his privacy and just yeah. put it behind the scenes. Yeah. And, you know that was that because it actually got solicited a couple of times, um, but I can't confirm it's on the invoice this week. <laughs> um, a wonderfully talented artist, and you know, obviously wish him all the best in terms of recovery and stuff. But I'm genuinely looking forward to uh, to that finishing off. Um, anything anyone wants to throw out there? Uh, me, I'm uh, looking forward to, as you said, uh, that Hellblazer uh, first issue. So we had that one shot. This is the start of the ongoing, and I'll be interested to see how the stuff from that one shot maybe integrates. Yeah. Uh, Invisible Woman number five. That's yeah. the end of that series. Been Mark Wade. Been very been good. Very solid. Uh, Lazarus Risen number three. Yeah. Uh, Did see that. I thought. Yeah. You <laughs> coming out. That's the sixty-four page uh, square bounds that. Um, mm-hmm coming out every two months now every three months three months yeah so they're quarterly, essentially yeah. yeah they're essentially three issues packed into one which uh, is a very unique thing I don't think there's any other comic doing that it is such a good story but I have to say that length of time between each issue what is would you prefer every six months a trade as uh, opposed to every three months essentially half no, a trade no I mean what I prefer it would be every month an issue yeah um, <laughs> uh, but that wasn't a question yeah that's <laughs> not an option uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm keeping these. What I'm doing is I'm keeping the one and two, and I'll read through. Oh, okay. Two, you know, rather than taking them up to my my main collection. Um, what else? Uh, Cobra Kai: The Credit Kid Saga continues, number two, and I think my most anticipated is The Last God, number two, which I know is yes. one of your Vertigo titles, but uh, black label titles. Um, but it's, but it's a proper sized comic. It's a proper sized comic, and the 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 world building that went on in that last Mama. issue was fabulous. Yeah, last God was on mine. Uh, I'm just still in the quandary of I don't know whether I'm going to be reading it in single issues or trades because mm-hmm. the first one was that bloody good. That even though I messaged Alan fifteen times about it, it was probably on. Yeah, pull list is fun to keep a hold of. My pull list fluctuates on see, whether it's an ongoing see or one of trade. Number one ongoing, no. Delete as soon as number one comes in. Two days later, uh, can you put that back? Can you put it back on. You do know. You do know, of course, that, that collecting in uh, single issues does support your local comic book support too. Yes, but too. collecting in trades does support me living in a house. Okay. <laughs> um, but the, another one is the next tale from the Dark Multiverse. So it's the Dark Multiverse take on Infinite Crisis. I think it's going to focus Ooh. on Blue Beetle, mm-hmm. um, and then just try to form Action Comics ten seventeen. It's the start of the Invisible War arc, which I think is the teaming up of Perpetua's Legion of well, Doom group and the Invisible Mafia that have been running Metropolis. When's the Leviathan stuff coming into action? I remember it said at the end of number six to be uh, continuing. Was it 1018? Uh, Leviathan Dawn. I know there's Leviathan Dawn we one shot, but I know it's said to be continuing action comics. I mm. actually do have my issues mm. close by. <laughs> I, I thought I had said <laughs> continued in Leviathan Dawn. Uh, I think anyway yeah cool yeah, yeah. yeah more Brian Michael Bendis stuff and I will leave myself with John Romita Jr's art it's the, it's the writing in there you will get a smack yeah. sauce <laughs> <laughs> wow wow I, I, thought I'd say, I'd say, I thought I'd say that before Kate said it I, was, I could see it was on the tip of his tongue not my cup of tea. yeah Leviathan will return in Action Comics 1018 uh, and right. then it says Leviathan, Leviathan number one. Dawn, yeah okay yeah. 
Um, what about you, Roddy? Cool for me. Um, probably my biggest one I'm looking forward to was one Alan mentioned called Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Really looking forward to that one. Then we've got the two 2099 titles. There's Punisher and Conan, I think. Mm-hmm. Then also Second Coming, number five. Really looking forward to that. <laughs> yes. I have never read a funnier book. That's coming out this week. Yeah. Sweet. It's so good. So good. I um, clearly did my research well. And... <laughs> Well, you got to wing it, obviously. That's the, <laughs> that's the ultimate. Uh, I think, yeah, I think that might be it. Um, Transformers Galaxy 3, been enjoying that. And, yeah, that's about it. I'm sure there's a few other things on, on there. Oh, Martian Manhunter, number 10, which is really, I think that series is flying a little bit under the radar. Yeah, I think so but, as um, well. It's I'm, really good. I'm really, with you, really I'm really good. digging at it. It's interesting, I, uh, that reminds me of, uh, we, we talked before about the, Stegman podcast not that we should be advertising other podcasts but <laughs> I highly recommend it it's a lot of fun but they were interviewing Riley Rossmo who's the artist on Martian Manhunter and this was the episode after that had Scott Schneider on uh, when Charles Soule was doing it and Stegman said um, oh Riley Rossmo you're you're the first person we've had on who's you know worked for the enemy then one of the, like, the producers going to go, uh, Scott Schneider was on the last issue. <laughs> <laughs> the last episode. Stegman's like, yeah, I didn't listen to that because I wasn't part of it. You know, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, no, cool. ton, tons, of, tons of good stuff coming out there uh, this week again. So no doubt we will be back seeing Bat Time, seeing Bat Channel next week too talk more about it and I guess uh, if you have a wee look down our thread the last uh, episode we published was our old guard book club yeah uh, which we had great fun doing I thought uh, I made great contributions to that you one you were fantastic <laughs> wasn't yeah. I yep. you were the strong silent type during that one yeah. um, <laughs> I'm really enjoying those ones those book clubs those deep dives yeah that was good fun it was good fun yeah so old guard we got copies in this week as well so uh you know, we'll we'll make sure that's there, and of course, available for pre-order with the, uh, the sequel that's coming out. Old Guard um, Force Multiplied. Force yeah. Multiplied. So, so up next we have previews. Yeah, previews. We will have up next. previews, new catalog this week, so that'll uh, keep an eye out for that. And uh, <laughs> just saw that. I just got a really nice tweet through just live right now. Um, so Matthew Rosenberg would said about him putting up, you know, the video, mention us and stuff. We're not the only one he did that for. He did it for loads of comic stores. It's helped him to push it. And uh, he wrote on uh, Twitter. I retweeted it saying, I made 44 videos for local (laughs) comic shops last night to promote Hawkeye Freefall. It's an idea I I stole from Zdarsky, who did more of them, but better. I know it's always uh, a fun bit to make or or goof on Chip here, but he is a person that never fails to impress and inspire me. And then Stephen, good old Stephen from the store, (laughs) wrote, And here I thought Coffee and Heroes was special. And Matthew Rosenberg just wrote, oh, they are. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a nice note to oh, end on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, cheers, guys. Uh, pleasure as always. And, and you uh, can uh, find you on the Find Coffee and Heroes on the Twitter. You and can. On, uh, you can book. find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We have a few. We have a bit of news coming up soon on the store, but that will be for a future podcast. So um, from a listening. podcast point of view, um, we would really like it if uh, you find your way to uh, Apple Podcasts or one of your whatever whatever uh, app you use to subscribe to podcasts and if you can subscribe and like and rate us and maybe even leave a wee review that makes it a lot easier for other people to find what we're doing yep Absolutely. really appreciate it yep 
Perfect. Lovely, James. Cheers, guys. I will see you back here very soon for uh, previews. All right. Cool. <laughs> see you yeah. later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.